This is Corn Stars, part of the Herpetoculture Network, with your hosts Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics and Chris Painshap of Badlands Herpetoculture. Enjoy. I did, in fact, verify that this is episode 12, correct? Sure. Yep. Episode 472. Uh, I, we're actually getting there in terms of, like, all the shows and stuff. We're getting, yeah, that, the full we're getting to that point. So um, here we are. This is episode 12 of Corn Stars, which is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check it out. Facebook, Instagram. All that good stuff. Use the code THN at checkout. Get a little bit shaved off the top with your order. Save some Save some coin. Uh, and then the fine folks at Silent Hill Reptiles, Mindy and JT, awesome people with some awesome animals, doing some awesome stuff. Uh, this uh, round, figured we'd, we'd start the, the new year off on the on the CS front with a bang. And uh, it's myself, Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics, Chris Payne, Shab of Badlands or Petaculture, and our esteemed guest is Mr. Tony Dungara of Tony D Reptiles. Yeah, super excited to have Jan Tony. Uh, when we started oh, the show, uh, we kind of had a, a list of a couple people we were going to reach out to, uh, and yours was yours was in the top. You're definitely a, a, a white whale to have on here for us, and uh, we're, we're very <laughs> excited for the conversation that, that, that that's going to follow. That might be a dubious distinction, but anyway, yes, I appreciate it. There, awesome. Uh, any any updates on your your end there, Chris? Anything? Mostly Pressing. everything's still sleeping, uh, which has been nice. Uh, I'm probably a week out from taking corns off the ice and giving them a couple weeks to warm up before I start putting them back in the racks. Uh, I, I reorganized my room, uh, which was just absolutely cathartic. Um, me and Justin talked that day. Uh, I, I, it was like 12 hours of work and so happy the way things are organized now uh, i've got so much better um the aesthetics of it are better everything's uh lined up uh and and, and just the uh, ergonomics of it is 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 much more palatable for me and my kid uh you know my little six-year-old getting in there and helping me uh it's a lot easier for her to do that now we're not working around things everything's right in mm-hmm. front of us um took some sacrifices uh had to get rid of a few animals had to get rid of a few of my painting projects uh few of my collectibles had to go. Uh, but that was, that was okay because, uh, in the end, I think it's, it's, it's the result is going to help me sleep at night. Uh, but, but other than that, everything's growing and doing well. Uh, Justin, any updates on the, on, on, on your, on your collection right now? No, I mean, I'm, I'm going to start warming stuff up probably around Valentine's day. I got those, that breeding colony of rats. Um, so I'm hoping I'll have a little more sort of feeders and stuff ready to go sort of ahead of time <clears throat> get uh get some of those females that i got planned to pair up sort of on food and going and that's about it really nothing nothing new been working on those crepe myrtle perches yeah those are great gotta, gotta go get some more hardware for those this weekend um we have the raffle for slate read coming up uh first of the month is when i'm planning to drop that i have a solid probably 95% of it ready to go and handled. Um, 
Mike Stefani's putting up a, a Mertens monitor, which is just insane. Yeah. Because that's a that's <laughs> that's a dream species for a lot of people. So I thought yeah. that was really cool. Yeah. Um there's gonna be some sort of caveats with that in terms of making sure it's going to someone who's who is equipped to handle, you know, keeping something like that. Um you got a, a really nice gargoyle gecko up there. I've got that horrible cow king from Jason <laughs> that I can't wait to get out of my house. Beautiful snake. Though. Um, he's okay. He's foul, foul disposition. Oh, he's horrible. <laughs> he's a little little demon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jake's putting up his trio of thorn scrubs. Mm-hmm. Um, the cave geckos that I've got. There's a ton of stuff. There's some original art. So Jeff Frederick did a, a really nice rhino rat snake painting. Um, Casey Rasmussen at uh, Cold Blood Studio did a really nice uh, etch, like pencil drawing of um, a copperhead, which is really nice. So there's all kinds of cool stuff. There's some black box stuff in there. And yeah, I can't list it all off. I pretty much did them A through Z, like raffle A, B, you know, yes, them listed that yeah. way. And I mean, I, I hit Z and I could probably add some more stuff to it if I, you know, if I wanted to. I don't know if I will or not, but that's awesome. It's, uh, People came out of the woodwork, man. It's, yeah, it's good. And, and remind everybody what the money's going to for the uh, so, for the auction. Yeah, so our our friend Ryan Walker. Reed, who lives up up the coast from from Jake and I, uh, his little boy was diagnosed with a really rare form of muscular dystrophy recently, um, and they're having to go to Duke because that's where the next closest specialist is. Yeah. Um, I guess MUSC, which is like a major hospital in Charleston, doesn't have that specialist, which would be the only one they don't have. Um, so they're going to Duke. And so, you know, when, when he told me about it or he, you know, they were waiting for sort of results to figure out exactly what was going on. Um, as soon as he said he ended that it might be something like that, you know, I was like, we're going to get a raffle together and get some money raised for him. And <clears throat> even if it just helps with travel expenses and stuff, absolutely, you know, yeah. whatever, I think it's just, uh, it's a, yeah, it's when, a, when something like that happens, every little bit helps. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, we're, I mean, he's really optimistic that, inside of the next, you know, five to 10 years, they'll, they'll have made a lot of headway in terms of advancements and stuff with, with treatment and things, but it's, uh, it's really rare. And I think it, it's a sex link gene that's, uh, mostly found in, in boys. Uh, so hopefully it helps and they continue to yeah, hopefully it makes figure something out. Positive progress and, and, and treatments work. So yeah, mm-hmm. scary thing. Well, well, Tony, uh, we're going to kind of give you the floor here for a little bit. You know, usually uh, we we uh, tend to not do the where, where did it all start? Did you did you like dinosaurs kind of question? Uh, but I think in this circumstance, we'd, we'd like to hear uh, a little bit of your, your past that led you uh, to where you are in this hobby. <clears throat> um, the story's probably pretty typical, uh, it, you know, dinosaurs naturally. Uh, um, I can kind of point back to two occurrences in my childhood that pushed it towards modern day reptiles. Um, I grew up in, in a, a part of Maryland, a county called Baldwin. And I spent a lot of summer weeks with my grandparents and they lived, uh, adjacent to, in this rural community adjacent to the post office. And there was this old vacant field between them, probably about two or three acres. 
and uh, it was pockmarked with holes and, and everything. And, and um, I was running across that one day and I jumped over one of the holes and down there were a pair of copperheads. Oh, wow. um, and, you know, I just jumped over the hole and no sooner than it took me to land on the other side and turn around and come back, they were gone and nowhere to be found. And that just kind of fascinated me. That was a, you know, that was the seed, if you will. And then uh, I'm not sure if it was the same year or the next year or whatever, but um, I was just kind of keeping an eye out for snakes. And I, I didn't know it was any different, you know. And, and um, so I flipped this board and there was a black racer under it. Somehow I managed to catch my first snake, a black racer, right by the back of the head didn't get bit and i walked into the family reunion like you know hey this look what i found and um it, you know i come from a big family my mom had nine other brothers and sisters a lot of them had like five kids each so it's like nobody knew who i was they, they were like you're carol's oldest aren't you and but that snake rocketed me to uh, it, you know, notoriety with, within the, uh, the family. And, it, you know, it's funny looking back is that everybody was trying to warn me off of snakes, you know, God, they're dangerous and, you, you know, you don't know what you're doing. And, and it just typical of me, it didn't have the desired effect, you, you know, instead of hearing, oh man, these things are dangerous. I need to be careful. What I heard was they were fascinating. So I went to the library, read a couple books. There's, you know, the Boys Book of Snakes and Herbert S. Zim's book. And I uh, found um, the book, uh, Raymond L., The Life and Times of Raymond L. Dittmars by N.L. Wood. And I can't even believe I remember the, art, the author on that. Uh, and that just confirmed that they were fascinating. And uh, in time, I met a few people that shared the interest. And it just... Uh, it kind of grew from there. Um, as far as breeding goes, uh, the first time I heard that that was possible, there was a, a, a Saturday morning program on uh, Baltimore TV and the curator of the Baltimore Zoo came on. I believe his name was Frank Groves. And um, they had hatched out some baby black rats in a gallon jar with some crumpled up newspaper. And I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. So I started finding snakes that were gravid during the season and, you know, and they would lay eggs and I would hatch the eggs. And, and I would say I was in my twenties when I was doing that, but I had no clue that anybody would be interested in purchasing or acquiring a baby snake and everything. So I just would take them back to where I found the parent, you know, and, and let them go. And uh, eventually I met a guy uh, when I was in the Navy and he was aware that there was a big herpetocultural community and, and um, I just kind of got sucked in from there. Once you kind of join that, uh, that group, you start making friends in the circle. It, it, it's, yeah. it really enthralls you. It just, it, it traps you in it and you're, it, it, it quickly becomes a lifelong passion. Well, you, you know, the, the funny thing is, uh, the key word there is passion. Uh, you know, you see a lot of people going through life uh, um, 
you know, they might be excited about their sports teams or whatever, their cars or, uh, but, but herpers generally are very, very passionate about their animals and, and um, yeah, you know, so it's, it's a very attractive aspect of the community. I think it can probably go wrong at times. Uh, um, but generally, but generally speaking, uh, it's a great group of individuals and, and um, some of my very dearest friends are Harpers. Most of them, as a matter of fact. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. I think we all share that same kind of experience. We, we, because we're, we have that, like you said, passion, uh, mm -hmm. it, <laughs> your, some of your best friends become the people that share it in, yeah. in, in similar ways as you do, you know, uh, whether it be the herping and, and sometimes it's in uh, different ways, differentiated ways, but yet we still have that same kind of uh, entrapment into it. You know, different species and mm -hmm. such. It's it's that's 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 awesome, man. I, I love, I love that. That's that's one of the things that you're 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 you know. Obviously, it sounds like you're still love that part of it. That's that's great. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, obviously, we'll get into some of the specific stuff you worked with corn wise but what was it that drew you to corns i mean that's something you're definitely well known for um i i i don't know you know they're they're just kind of ubiquitous in the hobby they they're they're neat animals there was um i grew up in maryland and delaware area so there were a few to be found in delaware but there were far and few between um so when I traveled south for the first time in the North Carolina, South Carolina area, you, you know, finding a corn snake was, was your target. You know, that, that's what you wanted to see. And um, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've been told that I'm dangerously old-fashioned. You, you know, I still, <laughs> I still like the stuff that I – coveted as a kid flipping through Conant's field guide. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So, so corn snakes, yeah, you know, the Eastern rat snake is still cool to me, black rat snake, whatever you want to call it. Uh, um, coastal plains, milk snakes, oh, Eastern yeah. King snakes, the Florida King snake complex. Yeah. You know, all that variety that was around me is, is primarily what I like. And, and, and it's, of course, grown. You, you know, I've got a great appreciation for the snakes of West Texas. Uh, um, yeah. Baird's rat snake, kind of the yeah. other corn, the other corn snake, you know, I know it's not a corn snake, but, but uh, it's an appropriately sized uh, rat snake. It's a really good subject for captive maintenance. Uh, the, the gray bands out there. Uh, um yeah, you know, so it's expanded beyond you know the local animals, but I think those local animals that I've spent my childhood chasing and dreaming about still hold the special place. I think it's a big nostalgia thing for me, at least. Like I, I as I've gotten older, I've come to really appreciate the native stuff we have a mm -hmm. lot because I also try to look at it from the perspective of like, yeah, maybe it's just a black racer or a copperhead or something, but there's someone across the world that would kill to see that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And find Absolutely. That. So like that gives me a much deeper appreciation for, for what we have. And like, especially corns <clears throat> and, you know, locality corns and, and things like that. I, I love the fact of, cause I'm, I'm like 30 minutes from the Okie T hunt club area property. 
okay. the, like right there on the coast. And I I find the history of of corns in this area just fascinating. I think that my corner has some of the best in the world. Um, I am biased, but um, <laughs> there's just something so cool about it. It's it's right there. Like we have it. Like it's ours. I don't I don't know. It's it's yeah. It's really hard to explain, but there's just it's, a wholesomeness to it that I, I like. Hey, you know, Okatee is almost like ground zero for the culture. Yeah, yeah. you know, if you if you read Caulfield's books and it, you know, and it's been a long, long time since I've read them, but it, you know, I can still remember visualizing those pine flats and the stumps that he was finding them in, and. and uh, it, you know, it's a relatively accessible place for most people in the Eastern United States. It's, it's a kind of our Mecca and, and, uh, the corn snake from there for most of us is, is the flagship animal. Mm -hmm. Definitely, and, yeah. and it just so happens that, you know, they are large, robust, you know, corn snakes from there. I don't know what it is, but the, the, the really big ones seem to come out of there. And they're 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 gorgeous, and there and there is variety to them also, which is oh yeah, which is really neat. Uh, I mean, dictated by location, or I believe it would, even within the same locations, you get a you get a decent variety in them. Uh, mm -hmm. It's 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 pretty amazing. <clears throat> so so being at that uh, in that kind of Okatee realm, uh, what what kind of localities or Morris? I know I know you're uh, you're 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 working with some of the Red Zep stuff, but mm -hmm. I, I'd love to hear more about uh, the Okatee or the, the Carolina region, uh, animals, uh, corn wise. Okay. Um, I, I haven't worked with too many of, of the mid Atlantic localities. Uh, there was a period of time I had some from Bedford County, Virginia. Okay. That, that were, um, very, very nice looking animals. Uh, um, and they kind of had a little, maybe a little brownish gray ground color and a nice, terracotta orange blotch to them they're very very distinctive um reminiscent of milk snakes almost mm -hmm. um and, and i really liked them um but at the time you couldn't move them. and uh right now michael coon's got a or and this started at least a line of north carolina mountain corns um i don't know the specific locality on that uh, um, but I've been kind of eyeballing them. I've been up in habitat. I haven't seen any there, um, but I'm not a real intrusive field herper either. So, so I just kind of walk around if I see one great, <laughs> not, you know, I'm, I'm 63 and married. I'm just happy to get out, you know? <laughs> so, so, Amen, man. So, um, so really the, the, um, the only real locality corn snake that I've been working with is, is the Okatee corn snake. And virtually uh, the, there are one or two wild collected animals that I've brought in over the years, but virtually everything else uh, uh, comes from Howie Sherman, who, yeah. who, uh, you know, to my mind, I mean, he's, I, I'll plug him here. He's their dear friend. Um, but he probably has one of the best, most diverse pedigrees going back to animals that were personally collected by him. 
So, uh, you know, when you have one person between you and the founder stock, you have a lot of, of uh, confidence in, in the locality of that animal, despite the fact that it's been generations line bred. Yeah, but it's it, it, that's kind of that specialty line bred within a locality. At what mm -hmm. point does it kind of start to evolve out of uh, whatever it necessarily had been before? And, mm -hmm. and I think you've, uh, which is which is pretty special, actually. Um, well, there, there there's room for for a lot. It, you know, I've often referred to this as unnatural selection. You know, so the average baby Okatee that I produce is going to be a 10 out in the field. Yeah. Uh, um, from my perspective, what my aesthetics are, uh, um, somebody else might have a different set of aesthetics. You know, uh, um, Howie's line tends to be, you know, really uh, um, broad borders uh, um the best of them he calls bengal because they even look like are or red and black stripes on the, yeah. on the back third of the animal mm -hmm. but the ground color and the blotch color are very close i um my preference is a little bit more contrast between the ground color and the blotch color so you know what i want to see is red black deep orange something yeah something to that effect i i, I I'm a contrast freak, if if you would. Contrast is uh, it's polarizing. Some people really like contrast. Some people yep. really like bright color. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And you can almost go, excuse me, person per person. It asks, and it, and it's kind of funny how polarizing that is in this hobby. Mm -hmm. Whether it's lizards or carpet pythons or even green tree pythons, some people just absolutely love these neon green ones, and some love that. Yeah heavy pattern deeper, yeah, deeper. You, you know you know and we can even be conflicted in our own aesthetics because mm -hmm. i say that but one of my favorite snakes is the bear trad snake <laughs> you, as it you know, should be and and that animal uh, it, you know very little contrast yes as, yeah. as a matter of fact the best ones don't have any right you, yeah. You know? yeah so uh, um yeah there there can be a discrepancy there that's a, that's pretty, that's, that, that's pretty funny. Yeah. The beards are, they're, they're special. I have a, I have some Mexican beards from uh, mm -hmm. Jerry Sam, uh, Salmon and uh, they're from the, I believe Fort Worth, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth and San Antonio lines mixed together. And they're, mm -hmm. they're kind of neat because as they've aged, you know, they kind of hit that one and a half year mark where I don't find them particularly uh, pretty, but you know, as babies, they had this really neat contrast to them where I was like, Oh, All it's right. kind of, kind of looks like a, a thorn scrub or an emery eye, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. But then I know that as an adult, as it gets that very, that, that carroty yellow orange kind of mix and that neat gray dull head. Yeah. Uh, I, I look forward to, the, it, to it's, that. It's definitely, it's definitely a neat animal, but I, and, and I've almost pulled the trigger on getting on, getting them several times, but I, you know, I'm always Kate spaces at a premium. Yeah. And, of course, and, yeah. Uh, you know, just good, well-bred West Texas variety mm -hmm. is hands down to me is the one to have. It's yeah. not as rare, 
but <laughs> no, and, and you know they're they're extremely variable over here well no, yeah. not over here but more west of course right uh I, we've seen some that are almost jet black and as adults and yeah I, I sent justin one from the davis mountains up in the olympia canyon uh mm-hmm. area that that i caught uh, a year or so ago and it's very very different looking than a lot of the loma alta stuff which has that high right. sharp yeah it's like the opposite look. Yeah. yeah yeah so it's 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 neat you can again we said uh, an animal with very little contrast but yet look how much variability we can see mm-hmm. oh absolutely just in that, that, that that individual species which is again <laughs> could probably go on talking about for a long time it's a oh, another yeah. another uh, uh fun thing um you know i definitely want to get into some of the specific uh lines that you're working with uh with corns and, and some of the obsoleta but before we hit that as far as you're keeping uh what what would you say your your normal style of keeping uh is yeah I, oh jeez i really don't have a normal style uh um most of my animals are are in tubs sure yeah so so uh um i would like to keep them differently uh but there's a time requirement to that of course. So, so you end up making some compromises. And um, I think we all, regardless of how you keep your animals uh, and everything, it's uh, we all do a little bit of internal rationalization about it. Uh, um, to, to me, what's most important is that the essentials are met. Yes. Um, you, you know, that the cage is is clean spot clean you know regularly that there's always of course this changes some species you don't keep water with them all the time but Mm -hmm. you know that there's always fresh water in there that there's appropriate hides that you're paying attention to what is going on with that animal uh, um, and make adjustments as necessary Uh, um, and, and i do try to give them as much room as possible most most of my animals other than you know grow ups or my coastal plains are in v70s oh awesome so so um and a lot of times what i will do is is i don't keep every snake has its own cage yeah but they don't spend all their time in that cage you know Mm -hmm. so uh, generally, my collection is one male or one female per male because I just don't have the bandwidth of keeping up on who bred with who and how many times they've been in there. Uh, um, it, and it's also the more males you have with mixed genetics, the more potential projects. Yeah. Well, the more potential projects you, you can have. Absolutely. You, yeah. You, you yeah. know, so. You might not produce them all one year, but you can produce half this year and half next year, and 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 you can kind of retool on the fly, if you will. Uh, um, but what I like to do is move those animals that that pair around. I'll move the female into the male's cage, the male into the female's cage. I'll leave them together for a period of time, uh, um, and uh, I do like to change things up, put some enrichment in there. Uh, um, for me, it's generally just sticks and branches from from the yard and everything. I know a lot of people are 
hesitant to do that, but I've never really had a problem associated with doing it. Um, you know, particularly when an animal's getting ready to shed, throwing something in there so it's a little bit more rough to facilitate the shedding. Um, putting a moist paper towel in the hide when they're doing it. So it, it's, it's a pretty active thing. Uh, you know, I have about, I think it's 54 adults right now. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, you know, it's <laughs> for non-herpers are like, holy hell, he's got 54 snakes. But for the really serious people, they're like, wow, this guy's chump change, you, you know. But, but I can go out there every evening and check each one of those cages and just spend 30 seconds in that cage at, you know, at a minimum and see what's going on. I, I can spot clean the cage. I can, yeah, you know, I can change, dump a water bowl and wipe it out and fill it back up. I can, I can throw a moistened paper towel in the hide, you know. Uh, um, I can check on feeding <clears throat> status uh, and yeah. some, sometimes I think it's just good, particularly with king snakes, getting away from corns a little bit. It's just getting in there and interacting with the animal other than feeding time. Yes. Yeah. You, you know, so that they are not associating you pulling that cage open with it's feeding time and they're coming up because then that kind of sets up a pretty bad potential for a bad relationship with the animal you know i have a lot of pitchophis and i i mirror that there you uh, go sentiment quite a bit they're a, a very hungry high metabolism yep. happy to come flying out uh genus and, and, and yeah i i definitely spend more time with those animals than a lot of my uh you know like rat snakes usually rat snakes don't do that uh mm-hmm. most of my obsolete stuff uh doesn't uh, a lot of my obsolete stuff is just curious uh, corn snakes sometimes are just completely indifferent to whether you're looking at them or not. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. They're kind of just like, nah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah you're, you're, that's a that's a that's a that's a uh, a good point you make with your king snakes. So a lot of your uh, getula stuff, and then even into your Mexicana complex animals, uh, have such a, a strong feeding response. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a good idea. Yeah. Hey, I even have my um, my gray bands come out af- after me. Uh, great bands can be hungry yeah every you, you know and it's funny because for years when i lived in virginia i could never do anything with gray bands and it, it was evidently uh, um an environmental factor that i wasn't accounting for because once i moved to north carolina and i you know the conditions in my room really had not changed mm-hmm. um but they became almost as easy as corn snakes for me. So, which is a nice development. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I have quite a few alternative. I may have more alternative than I do corn snakes. I'm not sure. I'm scared to count. Uh, and mine, <laughs> once they get past that kind of, uh, silly baby thing where they don't want to eat, well, they want to eat they the headache phase, yeah. Yeah. the headache phase. They just don't want to eat what you want to give them. Uh, once they usually start eating, man, mine have been just, gangbusters bulletproof yeah i've I've got one holdout to go one of them that is not eating yet and um i could probably turn them around a little bit quicker if i use lizards but i I, my experience with coastals makes me not want to do that so yeah coastals uh that that's another you know we might jump into them a little bit later that's another very interesting uh 
complex species kind of on its own. Uh, they, they have oh, yeah. a lot, of, yeah. lot of neat little things about them that, that I don't think they're very well represented in the hobby, but I think it's an animal Absolutely. that as, as time goes, could, um, you know, wrapping up on care. Uh, do you have, I hate to say a, 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 a breeding routine, you know, we all kind of probably follow very similar things, but are you a, are you a brewmate and, and wait for sheds and pair or, or how do you do it? Um, I, I'm a Burmation guy. Okay. And I'm also take them out of their cage, put them in the small cage and in a dark corner brunette mm-hmm. kind of guy. Um, I tried it. I tried to fix that one year and tried to hibernate everything in the cage. Mm-hmm. And the next year, except for, I think my coastals, I had a 100% failure. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's a kick. That's wild. Yeah. So, so then, then um, I theorized that it was photo period, you know, cause mm-hmm. the room had a, had a Western facing window and everything. So the next year confident, this was going to do it. I blacked that window off real good and everything and the exact same results. Hmm. So then I decided to unfix it and break it again and go back to doing what I had always done next year virtually 100 percent. so was it just stuff not not locking up we just what was the well i again you know i don't know i i i really don't know i i i feel like i just didn't get a lot of eggs it wasn't that i got eggs and that they were infertile okay Hmm. i feel like Mm -hmm. i just didn't get a lot of eggs Mm -hmm. both of those years um and you know and i'm reaching back in memory this is over a decade ago uh um but i I believe they were nice cool years you know because here in the mid-atlantic you know you can have years that they you can barely get them below 60 degrees and then you have years that you know i've had days this year where i needed to worry about them freezing you you know so i um no but it it was just a strange thing i I, um i think that once a group of animals starts cycling a certain way uh you know it could very well be that there's just a core group of animals in there that are doing it and they're putting out pheromones and they're triggering everybody else to do their thing. And, you know, you could, by changing things, you know, you can upset that, that, um, environment. Mm-hmm. On them. Uh, um, I, I think change is good if things aren't working. But if it's working, you should probably stick with it unless you think you can do better. Uh, um, and, and here's a key aspect of this that I've learned as a herper. Just because it works for me doesn't always mean it's going to work for you or you. Absolutely. Okay? So there, there, are, are, there are absolutely no absolutes in this. You, you know, some people don't cycle their animals and have absolute great experience mm-hmm. and other people find that they have to like me i mean i can't even just turn off the lights in the room and you know 
turn the heat down and let things take their course. I have to, you know, do what I do. So um, my hat's off to anybody that's that's having good results and fun. Yes, I, I hear that sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, I, I don't brumate at all. I just pair them in January, February, and they go yeah. every year. And I'm like, I got snakes I've roommated for the last three years that I haven't bred. You know, 30 other <laughs> pairs went. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I, I did hear, was talking to one guy not too long ago, um, Chris Montross, and he <laughs> mentioned that he is um, he is hibernating his animals in, in cycles through yeah. a refrigerator. So mm-hmm. like he's putting down a third of them or a quarter of them at a time. And, and um, I'm thinking about trying to adopt that, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, not because what I have isn't broke, it is, is broke, but it, you know, when you start having all of your production coming out at the same time, yeah. <laughs> It can be overwhelming, you know, and, and and I'm primarily a hobbyist, you you know, I have a day job, Mm -hmm. I have wife, I have kids, you know, I've got some dogs, I've got other interests, I have friends and, and, you know, you start out with, with 54 snakes and that's, what, what is that? That's, that's uh 27 females times, let's just say 10, you know, that's uh, all of a sudden you got. 270 baby snakes yeah and 30 percent of them don't want to eat and mm-hmm. and, and um yeah you know you're just you're just banging on that and, and uh i i think it would just really be nice to be able to stagger that a little yeah. bit well, that cer- and- it certainly would be better for the animals I think. just being yeah. able to have more precise control over the temperatures right. they're at for yeah. you know a consistent period like i usually start cooling stuff off and put it in my closet for a week or so before i move it into the garage <clears throat> but the problem is, is because we've had so many of those cold snaps where it got really cold like never gets this cold here but it got cold um mm-hmm. you know i didn't i haven't even moved them out here like i'm gonna warm them up here in the next two or three weeks and I've just left them in the closet because the closet's gotten, you know, in the probably lower 60s, maybe dipping the high 50s. I doubt it. Um, so I don't know exactly if I'm even going to get much um, out of things, but we'll see. It's just it was too cold. to. I don't have a, a space heater or anything like that. And all these cold snaps have, have caused the, the stores locally to be pretty much wiped out on the heater front. So uh-huh. we're going to see what happens. But I wish I had had a some sort of fridge or uh you know cooler that's that's easy to dial in and, and get where i need it because i also would likely do the same thing where i'd split it up and yeah not be so heavy on one one side yeah i'm a I, go ahead oh go ahead sir uh i had contemplated like building a large box that that i would insulate and then just having like a small refrigerator that had a, you know, like a duck, a, a supply and return duck from that and a fan and a proportional thermostat to just cycle from that small refrigerator back into that box. Because mm-hmm. I only need to dry, you know, during the winter time we might, yeah, you know, it might get up to 70 degrees here, which means it's like 60 in the garage and which means I need to kind of 
dial it back like five more degrees. It, re it really doesn't take that much. Um, and, and this is the first year hibernating at this location. So far, temperatures have been pretty good not doing anything. Mm -hmm. So, so um, and I, I have them up against a brick wall. So when we have those real cold days, it will get down very cold there, but it takes like 48 hours to do it because of the thermal mass of the walls. Mm -hmm. and, and same thing when it warms up, you, you know, if it jumps from 40 one day to 70 the next day, it, that, that wall is drawing the heat at that point. So um, it's pretty, pretty good little system so far. Yeah. See, it was uh, it was ninety two here last week. Oh wow! <laughs> so, it was seventy here yesterday, give or take. So I have a closet that has a, one of those huge rolling air conditioning systems, and okay. so this year I did split up my uh, timing. Uh, so most of my pitchy office and um, all of my panther office are cooling in my closet here, which stays about fifty six to fifty nine uh, with that air conditioning system. But I've already started dialing back the AC to start warming up. And then the rest of my collection is at John Lasseter's house where he's at 55 degrees for four and a half months. Uh, so all oh, my wow. Alterna and Leonis and, and uh, my Northern Pines uh, are over there. And they'll actually come out. Uh, he, he, he starts warming stuff up kind of mid late March. So I've got stuff coming out soon and hopefully that'll kind of split me up. Uh, also, those are kind of the more difficult feeders, uh, yeah. <laughs> which which I'll get to spend a little bit more time. Hopefully, everything I get out first uh, will be eating. Um, but it, yeah, last year I, I I for me it was a big year about 130 babies, 120 130, and uh, about I, I average about 50 60 geckos a year, and uh, I was overwhelmed with everything at once, it, and it yeah. was it was very stressful. So yeah, I I, I, mm -hmm. I get that uh, that idea of wanting to split it up, and, and, it, and you know we've talked with Chris Montross before. Uh, he's a good friend and a, and, a, and, a, and a kind of family member with the Herpeticulture Network. <clears throat> and yeah, uh, anybody that's going to have a collection on that size, especially you with 54 adults, that's a lot of potential babies. Splitting it up sounds like a like a like a very very smart yeah. way to spend that time. Yeah, um, very at very least, if I get some of the more difficult stuff to pop out earlier, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, because it, it, it's one thing to handle a, a couple hundred baby corn snakes. Sure. But try throwing fifty alternate into mm -hmm. the mix, and you may as well have a thousand. Yeah, you know. No, thank so, you. So, <laughs> yeah, between Leonis and, and Alterna last year, uh, my first year producing a large number of them, I had produced a Alterna before. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had my last Leonis, that little male. He finally <laughs> started eating that little little dude. He was boiled with gecko skin and then he wouldn't eat the next time and then he boiled yeah. with rubbed in dirt and then he wouldn't eat for three weeks and then finally now he's just crushing frozen dog but there's always one or two it's always gonna happen yeah yeah i i have a total of two 2021 two animals at this point that are not eating one is an alterna and one is a melanistic theri i have a little melanistic uh, theri the usual from daytona that's a She's a great eater and she's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of melanistic snakes. And oh man, for some reason those Leonis they are though. They check any, the box in man. any They're shade. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. They are. They they were possibly what I was first known for. I had like okay. eight point eight of nice. the most diverse 
unrelated Therai that I could find. And, and I don't know if you guys remember or read a book. I think it was uh, A to Z of Snake Keeping, Chris mm -hmm. Madison. Yeah, I'm familiar. And he had this thing in there about a maximum avoidance system for maintaining heterozygosity within a colony. Okay. And that's that's what I was doing with them. And and the idea back at the time was, you know, at that time I probably had 200 animals. Okay. Wow. And still doing it myself. Well, I had some help with some friends, but largely it was me up till one, two o'clock every morning. Um, it might explain a little bit of the impending dementia, but, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> the, the thing about that was, is, is I knew that, or felt that at one point in my life, this all might have to go, mm -hmm. but if I can keep that one rack of 16 snakes, it'd be just a tremendous amount of diversity. It would be a significant thing, you know, you know to have this ongoing self-sustaining population and, and um but life came along and and they they went to for a period of time as happens yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, i've got eight i think going this year uh 4.4 all traceable lineage all the way back to mm -hmm. as far as we can go and, and leonis have really really hit a special spot in my collection and in my life and you know knowing john lassiter has been a big uh, mm -hmm. a big bonus on that hearing i mean he'll sit and talk about the history of these animals for hours yeah. uh and i think i think actually when me and you talked on the phone we talked about the availability of information uh going back to like the king snake forums uh mm -hmm. and people forget that that's there it's still there yeah. uh we yeah. can go back to i think it goes all the way back to 2003 uh you can go back and not just Leonis, you can go back and look at corn snake and pitchophis and venomous mm -hmm. keeping and uh, uh everything yeah and and there's yeah. there's this gorgeous archive of information that's free that you just got to go click on and spend uh it's not a facebook scrolly page with all of your no. uh, wonderful social media but it's it's there and it and it, it exists and yeah. it's it often forgotten and, and it shouldn't be I, people need to reach into those coffers a little more and, and kind of remember that stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it was a pretty good format. Uh, um, I, I honestly, I think it was, it was better than Facebook, uh, um, in, in many ways because you had to, you would either just watch or you would subs, you would contribute, you know, so you would write threads, you would comment, uh, um, you would ask questions, and there was give and take and you had to wait for it, you know, so you, you had time to think about what you were going to say. There wasn't just this real capacity to to share stuff that, you, you know, like Facebook right now, you, you share something and two days later you look back and you're like, what, what in the world was I thinking that, you know, that's completely not what I'm about. But, but um, I, I met a lot of great people on that forum and uh still friends and as a matter of fact my my username there was tony d so when i got back into breeding uh, you know and i kind of needed to put a name on a on a website or on a card or whatever mm -hmm. i was like well I, I don't know if anybody remembers <laughs> but i used to be tony d on kingsnake.com so i just 
put it in a tiny D reptiles and stuck with it. So that's awesome. Yeah, this uh, uh, little continuity. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That, that's that's great to to see the uh, this incessant need for instant transition of emojis or happiness or or, or mm-hmm. it, it 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 dilutes the uh, severity or the 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 weight the, the weight yeah the the actual mm-hmm. like value of the information sometimes uh, yeah. And then you also get these repeated questions and stuff that you see regurgitated over and over and over. And it's like, you know, if you would have scrolled down or even searched on here, you could have actually answered these questions. Yeah. Uh, but instead, you chose to have that instant smash the button and get get what you like. Yeah. I, I wonder maybe if it's not even harder now to find that kind of information. Sure, you man. know, I, I mean, I, I remember when I had, well, number one, I remember when there was no Internet. Okay. You you know, this was world of mouth and, you you know, making long distance phone calls and being mindful because it was expensive. Uh, um, But in the heyday, we the early days of the Internet, pretty much all of us had a website. Uh, You you know, we all put up natural history information on the on our animals, how we cared about them. We, you know, care sheets for this species, that species. And and. um, 15 years ago, you know, you could type in corn snake care sheet and you would have gotten a bazillion of them up here. We're dealing with a whole generation of social media users that don't even realize there's such a thing as a care sheet. Yeah. You know, they, Mm -hmm. they they're just in, you know, their information environment is I go online and I ask and somebody will volunteer the information uh, um that's and that's just the nature of it now yeah you know um sometimes i have patience for it most times i would say depending on how the person approaches it yeah uh, yeah um, that's a big one it, yeah it, you know um and and so, sometimes you know i'm not having a great day and i and mm-hmm. i don't have the patience for it but i do try to you know i sent you guys some links on uh, some photo albums that I have on my Facebook page. And, and I find that's a pretty good way of consolidating some information, Mm -hmm. you know, just create, just create a little album. And then when I get those questions, you know, I just go and I open up the link and I put it in there and say, here, I've got some information here and, and, um, keeps it, keeps it pretty straight and if i need to improve it update it or whatever it's it's relatively easy to add it so absolutely yeah i'm trying to use that page more like a website yeah than 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 a social media site i'm I'm, I'm not always successful so yeah it's 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 seemingly more difficult with facebook to 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 maintain that and and keep updated it's weird well it doesn't Um, help that they keep changing how things are laid out and how things work and stuff it's algorithm based it's yeah. what, what what gets me is like you said if somebody posts a question let's say somebody's um sincere about asking a question about corn snake care uh on, on one of these large corn snake forums we would call them on facebook and there's you know fifteen thousand uh people on that page uh the water's going to be so diluted with people that are going to speak with such religious fact about what you need to do you need to have 
a 55 gallon with UV and, 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 and bio bioactive setup, which of course more power to the people that are keeping like that. I, I have utmost respect for it. I have nothing against it. Make sure you're, you're, uh, within your biosphere, you're, you're maintaining cleanliness because that is still a thing. You still need to keep your animals clean and well-fed. Um, but it's so diluted by people that are so sure of what they're talking about that they have no tenure and, and no actual experience. And then the one person that does say, oh, well, I would like, I, I think you should meet these handful of parameters, um, sometimes just gets washed away, right? Yeah. In the noise. There's, there's, a, there's a volatility to it that uh, I, I, I find discerning. Mm. I, I hate to see that that's kind of the, the future of where a lot of our information uh, is well, coming the, from. The scary thing is, is that same environment and applies to stuff that's actually important yeah right so you know i want people to be successful keeping their pets pets are important to people they make yeah. us happy uh, uh, they give us purpose um they provide a connection to nature that is all too often uh, um limited even more and more as, as mm -hmm. we move on. Uh, um, so, so they're very important to people, but you know, I do try to keep in perspective that, you, you know, what, what it is, we're, we're not dealing with uh, the fate of the human race. Right. <laughs> Keeping snakes yeah. and buckets. <laughs> But but yes, okay. I think yeah. I promised one of you guys I wouldn't get too deep and philosophical, but but uh, no, it's quite all right. Just, we, we, just we, tell me to shut up if it's no it no no going south. We'll, 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 we shared the same sentiment. <laughs> I I, I <laughs> think uh, you know as, as this younger generation rolls into uh, more prominence in, in, in hobby keeping and like you said in, in real true world events and, and, and happenstance, uh, they'll kind of have to figure it out, right? We're pretty set in our way. Uh, I Absolutely. say we, but. You know, Absolutely. They, they will adapt to this new information environment and, and they will make the best of it. Uh, they will do better with it than, than we have, you know, and the reality is so we've handed them that environment, you yeah. know, so complaining a whole lot about what it's done to them is yeah. not exactly honest. Yeah. There I go again. <laughs> But you know, people like you, Tony, have, have have gone out of your way to uh, through through your Facebook page, and I would I would uh, implore anybody listening to this to go take a look at it. You you have uh, on your own volition put a ton of very good information, and it's all free, right? The 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 app that you're already sitting there scrolling through, uh, you can go through your page and see somebody that's that's put earnest time into something, and, and it's yeah. it's it's awesome to see that, and, and it's well, thank you, you. you know. I, I hope more people do that. Uh, and, and, and the thing that blows my mind is a lot of people have, and, and again, it gets yeah. washed away. Uh, it, it gets diluted. Um, but yes, yeah, there's, we... there, there's just, there's just so many of us doing it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I think probably one of the things that has changed the most in this hobby is that marketing now is is not so much about the snakes as it is the breeder sure yeah it, it, you know they they are uh there's a term for it 
and it is eluding me at the moment. Um, they're branding themselves, you know, so you don't, you don't buy a corn snake. You, you bought a South mountain corn snake, mm -hmm. or it, you know, you know, or some other name. Uh, I got it from this guy and he's always on YouTube or, you, mm -hmm. you know, uh, um, that plays a big role in it. And, and um, unfortunately, I, I think, on social media, certainty carries better than being introspective. You know, sure, people, absolutely. people, you know, they, they, they exist in a very fast information environment, you know, and they want to get online and they want to hear the answer. Generally, they want to hear what they want to hear. Yes. You, oh, you know. yes. They, they want their ideas. Uh, and a lot of it is justification. Right. Yeah. And, and, and when they ask a question, generally, a, a, a lot of people are just kind of becoming programmed not to expect somebody else to ask five more questions. So maybe I can answer your question. Uh, um, but, but um, it, you know, so I, I think that is something that makes it harder to find that other content because because when you're operating in that mode you're not jumping up and down and screaming saying hey look what look what i have here yeah uh, um to be honest with you those albums and everything that i've put together on my page they're as much for me as they are for anybody else it, you know because uh, um you know, the buckskin corn snake project and there, there is, I have emails and everything going back over a decade to support the information that is in there. But if I had to go back and search my emails to find that again, yeah. it, you know, I might not be able to. And that, sure. even though I knew that information at one time and I experienced that information, that doesn't mean I'm going to remember it. Or, or given the nature of memory, because it's not Memorex, that you remember it correctly, you know. So mm -hmm. when you get something, when you start developing a project, uh, um, I'm a big believer in writing down what you're doing. Uh, you know, kind of keep everything about that project in one place so that you can go back and refer to it. Because, you know, I, I've even found... I've gone back and looked and I said, you know, that's, that's not right. That's not what happened. And, um, you know, you know, so it's useful even for the person who's putting that information out. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a damn good point. Tony, I think, I think a lot of people would appreciate that. And I, mm -hmm. and I think you're right. I think, I think we can all do a better job of that too. And it sounds mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I, even me personally, just even hearing that I'm like, wow, you know, I've got, yeah. A lot of lineage, right? I keep a lineage uh, spreadsheet for for you know Alterna and for Leonis and for a few of my Pitchiophis and mm -hmm. and you know I never really thought about the fact that I I, <laughs> I I don't even think about the fact that I'm gonna maybe in a couple years or you know I'll start yeah. second guessing myself, right? Even oh yeah, yeah, uh, and and it depends the level of information that you're interested in and everything, uh, you know. For for me. You know, I just like to kind of detail where where my original stock came from. You know, I'm 
I'm kind of a big believer in outcrossing mm -hmm. pretty much any corn snake project I get. I'm the last one to produce them, uh, you know, because my first thing is I'll buy one of the morphs. I'll breed it to one of Howie's Okatees, get some hats, double traps, triple hats, whatever, and then bring it back because I, I want that robustness. In, in mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, but where I got the two animals to get, you, you know, to get to how did I get these really nice orange corns I have? Or how did I produce these uh, um, really nice ultramels uh, uh, that I have right now? Uh, right now, I know it because it's happened in the last couple of years. I know who I got, what animals from. But 10 years from now, when that project is really refined, uh, um, I, I might not remember. Yeah, that's, and that's, I mean, we've talked about that, I think, in the past with, with line-related stuff is like, keeping track of that information is important and i mean keeping green trees and stuff that is one corner of the hobby that is very good about tracking that right. information and keeping it on hand so i've i've wanted to take that and sort of bring it to to corns and other stuff um even if it's just you know like family tree type diagrams um because i think there's a lot to be said for using that i mean especially if you're focused on a particular sort of line or project you know long term to have that information once you get to a point yeah you're going to lose track of you know animals and what was what and, and things like mm -hmm. that so i think it, it definitely comes in handy and it doesn't have to be anything super fancy it doesn't have to be a you know laid out tree with pictures and everything like that but any information right. is is good and that's something i've been wanting to get better at i was thinking about it last night actually because i just got the uh old world rat snakes book from claws mm -hmm. um and I want to start taking notes of things that I read that stand out to me. And even if it's like stuff that's not even necessarily together, you know, be it about the, you know, the persimmon rats that I just got and some other stuff, like just having something where I'm reading that in a book. And I think, you know, that's interesting. I can apply that to what I'm doing. And even if it's just a couple lines uh, and maybe just a page number of that book or something, just something to keep track of that kind of stuff. Because mm -hmm. there's a ton of information floating around to be yeah. able to sort of pick what stands out to you as helpful. I think, you know, it can make a, make a difference at some mm -hmm. point. Absolutely. Um, so, so kind of on that, one of, one of the things you were just talking about was your uh, buckskin line. Um, one of the things that really shines on us is, you know, we're, 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 we're kind of both locality morph mm -hmm. uh, line bred, we, we kind of all, me, me and Justin uh, specifically and many, many others that listen, like all of that, <laughs> right? I, I, we right. all have, I have different facets within my own personal collection that, that reflect all of those things. Um, but nothing uh, takes as much time as a project that is actually derivative of uh, genetic morphs. Uh, that's a line bread project, um, specifically one that may have locality ties or may not. Um, so could you kind of go into a little depth on, on the buckskins? Uh, because that is that, which is amazing. Yeah. So, so um, initially what got me into the buckskin was interest in another project, which is the, uh, the buff trait. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I actually got that animal. Um, I was bought some snakes from Don. I was, I, this was when I was getting back into it and, and he had like a buy two, get one free or 50% deal or whatever. 
And so, so uh, I said, well, throw in, throw in a pair of those buff corns. I want, I want to see what that's about, you know? So I get it. And this is just, they, they are just like the most nondescript animal that you ever want to see. I'm looking at it. I don't really see a morph at, at all. Um, yeah, you know, what I'm seeing is within a, within normal range of phenotypic expression yeah you know so so it's different but not unexpected i Mm -hmm. i guess is the way i want to say it and uh but anyway i was raising this thing up and i noticed that there was kind of like a high yellow tone to this animal and everything and i was like well you know that that might really make a buckskin okatee shine okay so I, that's when I got my original male buckskin from from Don. Okay. And I and I bred him to that buff female. And that first year I produced 20 babies and I got one that had the desired phenotype that took the buckskin pattern, you know, the o- nice okati pattern and looked like it was going to be a buckskin but was also obviously different from the rest and and, mm-hmm. and was was uh a butt so he was a buff buckskin so that that and that original i'm diverging a little bit here but but that original buff also happened to be het motley and het for uh albino and one thing that i've come to believe about buff at least is that there is some tie to motley because every really nice buff I hold back ends up being head for Motley. Every, oh, okay. Every one without fail. Hmm. So, so, but anyway, so uh, and I'm doing this little project, and a friend of mine, Ralph Mills, posts this picture of this buckskin that he has, and and it kind of has a higher contrast more gray pattern less tan and everything and i was like holy lord that's a beautiful snake yeah you know so i called ralph and talked to him about it and, and um you know i promised to leave stuff to his children when i died and everything but <laughs> you, you know anyway i ended i ended up with that snake and, and uh found out that it came from jim godfrey who actually remembered that snake when he sold it to Ralph. He said it was a real outlier from the very beginning Mm -hmm. and that he had also gotten his animals from, from Don and that he had never outcrossed them into anything else. So Hmm. what I had at this point was a nice pure pair of South mountain buckskin Okatees. And when I had bought my mail from, from Don, I, I asked him, and it was an open-ended question because I was going to get the snake regardless. But, you know, I, I said, uh, you know, look, are, are these line bred? Is is this kind of like the reverse Okatee thing? The reverse Okatees, the original ones from the Loves, didn't come from Okatee stock. They were just albino corn snakes that were selectively bred to have an Okatee-like pattern. Um when we started migrating the gene in, that's when we ended up with a fluorescent, but that, that, that's another story. 
I, um, but but Don told me he says no this 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 isn't a project like that. These are line bred from distinctive uh, um, Okati stocks, you know. And of course, this is going back well over a decade. Uh, um, so the assumption is is that you know Jim got got the same lineage that that I did, uh, um, but things change over the years and everything. So I, I no longer offer these as locality animals, uh, um, but I treat the project as if it is because I, I still do believe that it is. Um, but that initial pair of snakes just probably produced the most stunning clutch of corn snakes I've ever produced. I mean, they were fabulous. And, and uh, that really nice blue female that you see, that F1 female that, that I'm always posting pictures of. She She's was, insane. She was, yeah. I mean, look, look, there are times, and she looks that way too. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I will confess, I edit my pictures a little bit, but that's because my phone doesn't capture the way they look. You know, you know so sometimes I have to play with it. But there are, there have been times that I pulled that cage out and I was like, yeah. And I was like, why is there an alternative in this cage? <laughs> yeah. No kidding. That, it, 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 and it has that soft blue. Yeah. Uh, specific to your, your kind of Southern, uh, your, your 277 alternas. Uh, your, your, there, there's, there's that color is special in snakes, right? There's not a lot yeah. of snakes that have that color. Well, you, you know, blue, blue yeah. is blue is rare in nature anyway. Yeah. It, you know, it, it really is. It, so, but, but anyway, you know, and she doesn't always look that way. You know, that's like right after a shed. And, and I'm assuming that she, as she gets older, she's going to lose a little bit of that sheen. But yeah, there, there are, that's the original pair, the more standard buckskin. Sure. That I got directly from, from Don and, and the other one that came from Don through Jim and Ralph Mills. So, so. that that female is something else, man. That's <laughs> she, and, and that's not a good picture. Yeah, that is not a, a good picture. She was she was really really a great looking snake. So this this kind of uh, soft gray blue, you know, this this this, this sheen that kind of I shouldn't say sheen this this base color. Is that just derivative of the buckskin line? Because that it almost feels like that's now removed moved, removed itself from buckskin, you know. Uh. Yeah, I, I I I can see that. Um, I I will be honest with you. I I am amazed at the speed this project has has come to fruition. It, you know, I I was thinking it was going to take me three or four generations to to reliably produce that and, and really by the, the the first generation the babies out of that clutch had a had a good chance of looking like that wow. so and, and particularly the females it seems to be sex linked on the females most of the females have that uh, uh getting a male that's that way is is a bit touchy they they look a little more normal buckskin Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think as as we learn more about um, corn snake genetics, uh, we see it in the cinder uh, morph. 
males seem to express erythrin a little more, uh, a little bit more of the red, uh, the, mm-hmm. the actual red phenotypes in there. So your, your male, uh, your, you know, your, your, uh, corals, uh, your, your coral salmon, uh, red, red factor complex, uh, your males are always a little prettier. They have more of that red. Uh, you see that mm-hmm. in your cinders, your, your, your hypo cinders, your cinder males always have a lot more pink, a lot more red, uh, than your females, um, uh, so, so yeah, that would, would, would almost play into that. You know, the males are expressing that a little bit more. Uh, and then right. now is that, now is that a direct tie to, uh, evolution saying that the males need to be a little bit prettier. And then we start thinking about the complexity of a snake. And is that something a snake even takes into factor? And now we're going to start making <laughs> corn snakes more complex. There's a whole rabbit, rabbit hole. There's a whole rabbit hole you go down with it. But that is kind of neat that it's a little, that, that it may be a, a you know, uh, sex derivative uh if females uh show that mm-hmm. that that base color a little more but god that's a that's a gorgeous snake tony i hope i hope you make a whole bunch of those please i i um well I, i'll make it i'll make enough <laughs> i will make enough I'll, I'll let making a whole bunch up to somebody else <laughs> is that a now is that tied into other than the buff uh which it seems has been removed out of those those particular animals it's just well, they, that that is completely different. My buff is a completely different lineage. Mm-hmm. So so they oh, okay. They, okay. They have a they have a common grandsire. Okay. Uh, um, but that that locality male was bred into a uh, obviously non-locality buff female. Sure. And and from that is where I've got my orange corns. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. So, uh, okay. So- that makes sense. Orange is going to be uh, a male and buff, right? Orange is going to be a male and mm-hmm. buff, right? So, so yeah, you know that is, and that project is pretty much matured too. You, you know, it's I've got a nice male, and I've got a couple high white females, and, um, you know, just normal high white eros, and and uh, you know, you breed those together, and you just get really, really good contrasting. Uh, uh, orange corns and <laughs> it, you know the, the i keep going back to don here but he had on his old website he used to have some uh he called them creamsicle okatees or whatever so they were mm-hmm. creamsicle corns but they were bred to have that okatee type pattern and i remember looking at that thinking my god that's stunning you, you know? yeah and then when the butt and this was kind of what i was thinking with the buff you know when i when i ordered it can I use that to make something that looks like a creamsicle, but it, it, you know, is a straight corn snake? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which so I was which, just trying to reinvent the wheel, basically. <laughs> which is which is awesome. We we you know we generate these little within our with our own collections. We we do that right. Like yeah. we 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 know that some of these recipes have been put together sometimes before, but we're doing it within our own eyes, within our own parameters. And, and sometimes come up with something special like like you have. Um, yeah. What what are your plans with that line? Do you want to mix it into any other morphs, or do you want to just keep kind of perfecting it? Um, honestly, um, I, I'm thinking about combining it with my Ultramel. Yes. <laughs> Which which may be sacrilege to some because of the the, the muddled past of Ultramel. 
but I'm an ultra Mel fan. Yeah. <laughs> I love me an ultra Mel. I, I mean, look, I, I don't have any problem compartmentalizing this. That, sure. you, know, you know, I, I'm a field herper. I'm a deli cup herper. I'm a generic guy. I'm, I, I, you know, I like locality stuff. I like king snakes. I like rat snakes. You know, I, I, I like venomous. My wife just won't let me keep them. <laughs> I think that's join, join the club, man. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and pick your battles, right? You, you know, because like 54 snakes and, and I'm going to plant, complain because I can't keep a, a lepidus. I was about to say, is it lepidus? Because it's always <laughs> lepidus. I think we all would jump on one, the one, of, one of the smaller, uh, you know, southwestern rattlesnakes, certainly. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I think I think if you take that buff uh, and put it in Ultramel uh, on your table at Daytona uh, this past year when me and Justin visited with you, uh, you had some Ultramels that were gorgeous. And I think we both kick ourselves in the butt for yeah. not picking one of those. Oh, yes. That was the yes. one thing at that table at that show. Yes, that you like... should. You should. Because if you saw them now, you'd be like, yeah, I, I almost don't want to because it's just going <laughs> to hurt. You know, the, he the heck of it is, is they do not photograph well. Oops. Yeah, I seen them in person. I just I was like, yeah. I wish I had seen them long before I had spent. Most Sorry of about that. We're having technical money. difficulties in <laughs> Central quite North Carolina. Right. You're quite all right. <laughs> yeah, those those you had you had some stuff on your table. You know, I I uh, I got the uh, the Onus girl from you and and uh, the yeah. um, red zep female uh, from you. Okay. Uh, and I, and I think, I think walking away from your table and not, you had a pair of sun kissed, uh, yeah, one sun of them was a sun kissed yeah. buff. Yeah. And, and then you had those ultra males and, and I, and I am still, why, why did I now see that, that one it? right there, that, that is a byproduct of the buckskin buff orange corn oh. project. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I believe that one is buff, but that's, okay. that is a really really neat looking snake and you still have this one i still have her good yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a gorgeous animal one one thing that i will i kind of uh, parallel the look of that animal um i, I i'm a big fan of the uh miami okadies uh which mm -hmm. you know it, it's 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 funny because we're, we're referencing two localities uh in an animal that no longer holds any locality uh value to it right. because it, it you, you're not actually taking okd animals and miami animals and producing that you're taking uh line bred animals that are okd and line bred animals that have personified this uh miami look and, and you get that softness <laughs> but now you've done it with with uh with with something that almost looks a little uh better i i, I hate i hate to, to to say one thing's better than another but yeah. I, I i love the look of the animal i love that soft yellow around the neck uh it's a really, it's a, it's a really cool project to be, to be doing it and, and beautiful animals yeah. to be producing. Yeah. So, so you, you know, you could have a whole show based on what a name means. Yeah. It, you know, because it is a Miami tea, an Oka tea that's been bred to look like a Miami or is it a cross? Sure. You, you know, is, you, you know, is an Oka tea a, a locality animal or not? I, um, one of the things with my buckskins is, is that, um, you know, they carry that name. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so whether you or not you say 
this is a Okatee locality animal to people or not, a lot of people, when you tell them it's an Okatee corn snake, are going to assume it is. Or later on in the course of their ownership, when their knowledge of things learn, hope that it is, you know, a locality animal. So uh, as they learn more. So, you know, that's why I'm treating that project. You know, I believe it is one, but I'm continuing to treat it such that way and and i don't call them locality okatee localities but i do call them okatee and and uh but i'm not calling my orange okatees you know i'm not calling those those ultramels okatees i, sure. I don't call anything else okatee unless i think it's an okatee yeah and, and which i i totally uh agree and back that statement i i think you know we've gotten to this point to where we have an Okatee locality and an Okatee face. And now you've got people that just have become a synonymous with normal. Yeah. Almost right. Yeah. People will, again, we get back to these Facebook posts and these questions. Somebody will post an animal that's a, maybe an AML and it's slightly high white. And the first thing that they regurgitate out of their mouth is, Oh, this is my reverse Okatee. And it's like, well, there's a little bit more passion that went into the reverse Okatee. This was an yeah. actual line that was designed, uh, I believe by, by Kathy Love. Right. Um, to to specifically personify the look of an uh, of a high black okatee, but in an amel that, uh, like you said, generated itself into the fluorescence and and so, it, it, it at what point do we start drawing lines? And, and at yeah. the same time, it's like it's like borders on states. Are we drawing lines over things that will just never actually matter? If I walk across the state border, do I know which state I'm in? If I didn't have a map or a GPS uh, or a you know, it, it, it's this, this this grand idea, this hobby that we uh, label right. things, uh, and and then yeah, and and you know, to me, an okatee corn snake is anything that comes from those low lands of southeast South Carolina. You know, and, and to other people, it needed to come off the hunt club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which yeah, is how I've know. always sort of looked at it. It's like if it, it didn't originate from those, like that, the OKT Hunt Club. Right. You know, is it really? Because, I mean, I have, like, my locality stuff that I have from, you know, Ladies Island where I live, like, I don't consider that to be OKT, even though Beaufort County pretty much merges into Jasper and OKT, mm -hmm. you know, by a distance of, you know, 15 or 20 miles. But I don't really consider mine to be Okatees, even though it's more or less the same region that they're all sort of originating from. I have yeah. some that even came from, well, I have one <clears throat> that came from the other side of town that is closer to, and there's a there's a really big river that, that separates sort of that side of things versus where mm -hmm. I'm at. Um, and I have an animal from, from the side of town just before you cross that bridge that looks very classic Okatee, like super thick borders, just... Like if you saw mm -hmm. that, you would think that it was from some sort of, you know, line bred stock and it, you know, I got it as a, as a tiny hatchling. Um, my cousin's son actually found it and brought it to me and I ended up holding on to it. And I'm glad I did because that just turned out to be a phenomenal animal, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't consider that an Okatee still. I mean, I, I just call them what they are, you know, Beaufort County locality or ladies Island locality. Um, right. And I, it's one of those things too, where it's like, does that really mean anything? 
Probably not. It means something to me. All, all you can do is provide the information. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So. So. I, um. I, I think that. You know, and th this is my bias. You, you, you know, everybody thinks they're normal, uh, um, but I believe that the vast majority of people would call a corn snake in the immediate vicinity of the Okatee Club. They would call it an Okatee. Uh, um, and and to be honest with you, yeah, I've never really asked anybody, you, you know, exactly what segment of road that you've caught it on. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you, you know, you just. I mean, you're kind of splitting you, hairs at that point because yeah. if you go out there, it's like whether you're actually in that like Switzerland area where you're on that one road that had the yeah. and stuff versus being, you know, 10 or 15 miles to one side of that. Like they look fairly similar. You're really not going to see a huge difference. Yeah. Like they're going to be nice looking regardless. Right. Um, but, you know, it's, I don't think it's like Alterna and, and, some of the other stuff that's much more hardcore in terms of that. Yeah. That kind of I was thing. about to say an Alterna thing and be like, yeah. this totally, I agree with this completely until we start talking about Alterna. And then I want to know what rocket came off of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, you know, the thing with Alterna is, is back in the day, they weren't sure if they were dealing with one species or two. Sure. You know, and if they, what they were seeing was overlap and integration. So, so locality, because of the paucity of specimens collected out there, locality breeding kind of became a method of inquiry. Sure. Yeah. Okay. It, it wasn't just a collection preference back in the day. It was like, well, we want to get animals from as close of a locality as we can, breed them together and see what they produce, you know? And, and so, so it was a learning process. And, and then it got and, weaponized. Uh, <laughs> yeah you could say that i, I you, could, you could say that but but you know I, and i don't really see the point in it because i i have um i have some really nice east anderson uh locale alterna from from um john fraser okay I, um they they're my god they are marvelous animals great feeders and everything i have some some west langtree loca locality uh, uh those are also blairs and i have a pretty much a generic pair of alterna phase that come from the eastern part of the range mm -hmm. and, and i see no difference in sales yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I had a bunch of generic alterna that were you know mixed locality stuff, and I I don't think I've ever sold I, things as fast as I sold just alterna. Yeah, they uh, are. yeah, yeah. Alterna, they're nice. You know? Yeah, yeah, just just nice standard alterna. I get just as much for them as as locality bears and, and everything. Or not bears, lo locality blares, and. and um, you know, so I've just never really seen the need to to weaponize stuff like that. It, well, what uh, was interesting as well is the fact that, like, the people that were coming to me to buy those, they just wanted a gray band. Mm -hmm. They yeah. weren't super hyper-focused on localities and keeping things, you know, pure or whatever you want to call it. Like, they, right. just, they, they really liked Alterna and they wanted one, but they also didn't want to shell out, you know, a ton of money for one that was super specific right. Christmas Mountain stuff, whatever. Um, yeah. And it worked out because it was like, look, I got to get rid of some stuff. Um, I, 
I was very upfront of this is these are just alterna i can tell you what the parents were whether that means anything or not or whether that locality is actually what was presented when the adults came in um who knows but i'm pretty much just labeling them as gray bands don't know yeah. anything else other than that they're you know they're nice and i i think one thing that you have to keep in mind is is that um yeah we're all enthusiastic about reptiles and everything but but we're all also collectors yeah and, and that has a broader connotation and that everybody that collects wants to have some kind of angle on their collection that is unique. Yes. You, yes. You know, so saying that I have all the different localities of Alterna, you know, from, from West Texas is similar to saying I have every morph of corn snake yeah you know it's it's you know it's just a way of focusing your energies you know we all have a limited amount of time limited amount of space to do things and and our brains look for some semblance of order sure and and that that drives how we how we organize our collections And, and and Hey, it's it's great. I I love to walk, look at other people's collections. You know, <laughs> is isn't that so? Fun? Sometimes I get tired of looking at my own. You know, <laughs> the, the the little idiosyncrasies that everybody has within their own collection. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty uh, neat. I have, you know, I have I have a large alternate collection, and all my stuff is very uh, locality specific, down to cuts and on okay. some stuff. Some stuff I don't. Uh, some you know, I have some Christmas Mountain stuff that's the Christmas Mountain. Yeah, Mountain you do. Areas. Those are nice. <laughs> oh, they're they're going this year and yes. oh they're gorgeous uh well i i i'm hoping they go this year not, not right. there's no guarantees in, in breeding reptiles uh but you know I, i've got stuff down to the cut i've got stuff that i found uh mm-hmm. it, it's it's one, one thing that i love about it i i sit on both sides of this fence i i have five gene corn snakes uh i have lichianus that are uh line bread specialty or i have lichianus uh, geckos that are locality um, so I sit, I sit on both sides of this fence and, and I have a wild caught, uh, male, uh, alterna. He, he's from the three mile, uh, West cut, uh, three mile West of Sanderson, which is a, a terrible cut. It's about half a mile long. You walk it all night long. You get scared by a mountain lion. You'll pee yourself every time. And you're not going to find a snake because there's barely <laughs> ever any snakes found there. Uh, and I didn't find the snake. In fact, I got this wild caught, uh, specimen from Justin's dad. Um, and I have some uh, F1 females. Well, when I breed him, he's he he looks exactly like what a three mile west uh, alterna should look like. He's kind of in the middle of an alterna in a Blair's phase, and he has a, a yeah. some dingy deep saturation to his gray, and his oranges are very dark. And and, and so I breed him to the uh, different females that are also three mile west, cut from different breeders, and the dude will throw Blair's face animals and yeah. snakes with no orange on them. Uh, and I've got a, a F1 three mile west from Stu Tennyson, uh, who's a great guy, that uh, is black. It is as black as the jacket I'm wearing. And we, I call him the Dark Knight. And he's stemmed an entire line of Alterna that I'm going to uh, have been working on. I've already got my first generation mm-hmm. in my collection. And I've held back what I think is going to slowly saturate into that black color. But he looks like a melanistic day, right? Oh, I mean, that's he really is, cool. It, it, he, he has pattern. It's on his back. There's not a speck of orange on him. And the front half of this animal is black. And 
I, so, I may have seen a picture of that snake before. If it's what uh, I'm thinking of, it's, it's pretty spectacular. Me and you, I think, may have actually talked to Daytona about it, and I showed you a picture. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if it was a picture of me holding a snake, and they had blue gloves in the picture, that's me, because <laughs> I'm allergic to I'm allergic to mice, and I'm allergic to aspen, uh, and I'm probably allergic to snakes. Uh, so I wear I wear gloves, and sometimes multiple layers of gloves to to, to interact with my, you know, hundred animals or whatever. Uh, but so at what point does me line breeding these animals, even though they're from the same cut, uh, when does that no longer, uh, that's not a locality. This, Fine, is, not yeah. a, this is not a phenotypic uh, representation of that locality. You would yeah. not look at these animals. I mean, if you looked at the, the babies that I produced this year, some of them, you would never, they look like these, those speckled river road animals. You would not yeah. go. That's a three mile west Sanderson. That's not a Sanderson it, animal. It, at a certain point, the the locality becomes rack number one, drawer mm-hmm. three and four. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I I can't agree more, Tony. That's 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 a perfect uh, See, analogy for it. Yeah. And that's when I started. That's when it really made me question the whole locality thing. Is when you know we hatched out those those handful of of Alterna, and they were supposed to be same locality parents but yeah. you get that split of things that had either no orange yeah. or a ton of orange and i'm like well wait a second well see see you you learned that your assumptions on what was going on there was wrong and in defense of locality breeding you wouldn't learn that had you not done it mm-hmm. no it, exactly if, if we're gonna sit and say that sanderson is the melting pot sanderson is where you get alternative phase and blair's phase sanderson mm-hmm. is where they kind of drew the line as to to Lampropeltis alterna and Lampropeltis uh, Bairdi, I believe. No, not Bairdi, uh, Blairi, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that there's a there's a line here. Uh, I think it was alterna, 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 uh, uh, Blairi. Um, you know, and, and we, we mistake ourselves constantly with gray bands because we forget that I, I think it's 70% of the range is actually in Mexico. Uh, these right. animals uh, go more west and uh, interbreed with... Uh, with Leonis and the gamut of <laughs> variation that they experience. These animals also interbreed with uh, uh, Annulata, right? I, I forget the gentleman that proved that out by having an animal that looked like it was a variation between a Alterna and an Annulata. And then he bred it to an Alterna and produced all Alterna looking animals. He bred it to an yeah. Annulata and produced all Annulata. And, he's, and, 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 and so... That that might have that might have been Troy Hibbets. I believe so. Yes, sir. And, yeah, and but I don't master. think I don't. Yeah, I, it, I don't think it was an Annulata though. I think it was a New Mexican that he found okay. across to. Okay. That, Just, and, uh, and you're right, that yeah, if been, if memory serves. Oh, you're right. That's a. Uh, I, I I forget the Stellanops or something. Stellanops. Like Stellanops. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm hesitant to say those words, you, you know, for the public record. <laughs> no, no, you're good. I, I'm, I'm the same way. You're right. And a lot of cuts off somewhere in uh, kind of my area, and then it goes to Stellanops. Right. Uh, it may have been lumped. Then we could also start getting into that whole taxonomy is fake. Uh, so are borders. Uh, <laughs> and what what is taxonomy when evolution is concerned, and what is a you know. Well, it's, um, it's it's our mind trying to establish some kind of order on it, and and there's there's validity, uh, um, but as with the rest of life, there's a lot of gray. You know? There's exactly, this is not a black or white. This is there's it's, a lot of gray. There, there's there, yeah. there's a lot of gray area in in pretty much everything, and you know taxonomy's not any different. I I don't think. 
I, I yeah. I, it, I, you I, know, the, these animals are a part of that environment. They, you, you know, they're, they're a function of it. Uh, um, I believe that they, in my experience on the East Coast, they can even be very plastic within, you know, a, a human generation. Um, the coastal, just as an example, the coastal plains milk snakes that we used to find down in one of the round, around one of the local uh, city parks down here. Um, when the park was younger, a young forest, kind of growing back from when it was a field, you can. You can walk through this forest and you can see the rows and the furls and that, that are still there. But 30 years ago, the milks, the coastal plains that, that were there looked like a coastal plain. Now that that forest is 30 years more mature, every tricolor you see coming out of there looks like a Scarlet King. Okay, wow. Yeah, you know, you know so there were either two populations there, you know, and they've ebbed and flowed, or there's one population and it's extremely plastic. Hmm. Wow. That's yeah. That's amazing to even think about. Yeah. That's... Welcome to my mind. <laughs> good, good. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I want to, I want to derail this a little bit and kind of go down a, a track you just went and, 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 you know, this is, this is a corn snake show and we're, we're all proud and love our, our corn snakes. You know, I didn't even think about this. Could you tell us a little bit about coastal plain milks? I don't even know if anybody really talks too much about them. They, they seem pretty straightforward. Um, I, I don't really know what the mystique is, to be to be perfectly okay. honest. It, you know, to me, they were kind of the more rare snake that I saw in Conan's book. Yeah, you know, the one that begged the most questions. Yeah, you know, uh, um, I only ever found one as a kid. Everything else I've had have is you know, captive bred by by other people. Uh, um, I, I will say this, you can get them up to breeding size in 18 months, but that's exceptional, oh, wow. even if you know what you're doing. Okay. So, so that's like, you get the one in four that took baby pinks right out of the eggs mm -hmm. and there were no glitches and you had good weather and, and you stayed on top of it. it you know, you might get it to go in 18 months i've okay. had them i've had them up to size that quick wow but my general experience is even with good care you, you're looking at four years as a minimum okay okay so that gets them up to size and gives them like a year at size and then they seem to go more reliably okay you know during, during that fourth year. So you have that. And then you have these babies that are just very small. Uh, um, they they're tiny. Yeah. Uh, there's, and there's ways to get them bigger, but okay. you know, we can talk about that a little bit, but it, you know, they're generally too small to take a, a, uh, you know, even the smallest frozen thaw pink you've got. 
and so you have to do something else and the quickest thing to do is to throw them a ground skink yeah okay you get a ground skink or two in them you're going to get a shed or two and now they're big enough that you can start trying other stuff the problem with that is that you know unlike alterna that seem to switch to from from lizards to rodents relatively easily once a coastal plains tastes a lizard smells a lizard or whatever it's like imprinting on it Oof. and that's what it wants it, you know and i i was talking to carl bartlett about this is you know he's he's mr coastal plains in, in, in my opinion and, and carl said, said i was voicing that and he said yeah a coastal should never meet a lizard oh, if, okay. it, if it never meets a lizard the better so so basically i have two methods that i do it and they both have their pros and cons but i can either i can tube feed them and they grow really quick that way but they don't switch to mice as quickly and i think that's because the tube feeding process is a little more traumatic if yeah. you will mm -hmm. you're you're also not you know, you're using Gerber chicken baby food. You, yeah. You know? mm -hmm. You're not using mouse, so there's no scent association or anything. Um, and then the other method is to tease feed mouse tails. Okay. And, and uh, but that's a little bit slower, more tedious of a process. Um, but generally speaking, if you can hit them like once every five days within five to six weeks, they're going to have a shed. And at that point, you got to root through the bag and get the really teeny tiny ones. Yeah. Uh, um, but they will generally be able to get that down. Okay. And, and I would say that first attempt after that second shed, you know, mm -hmm. they, they shed right after the hatch. And then sure. we're, we're talking the first post feeding phase shed. Uh, um, I, I would say three quarters of them take first attempt. Wow. And that's awesome. Yeah. Most so. of the others will take one by the, by the next feeding Okay. or by the next shed. Huh? So, so yeah, that, that, that's kind of been the, the, the complication I've heard the most with them is, is these tiny babies that don't yeah. necessarily want to eat or won't, you can't get a, a food item big enough, but that, yeah actually makes a lot of sense to use mouse tails. Yeah. So, so, you know, the other thing here is, with them is, is that even when they're on that and they're aggressively feeding right off the tongs and everything, they're very tiny snakes. And, and as with li anything little, they're delicate at that mm -hmm. point, it, you know, so. It, you know, if one rockets out of the cage and falls on the floor, that's it. Yeah, you yeah. know, it, it, it's it's gotten to the point. You know, over the years, I have a rubber mat on on the floor, so that that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, um, but you, you know, they can have. They're very small, so it's easy to miss that there's an eye cap okay. left behind. Yeah. Or, or it, you know, sometimes you know, snakes just don't find their water bowls. 
Yeah. And, and you, you know, they desiccate real quickly or they, you know, they can have a shedding problem. So uh, um, I don't think there's anything hard about them. They just require a little TLC. Okay. And and if if you give them that, then then they'll do great for you. And and generally speaking, I I, I don't move my coastals until they're until they're well started. I like to see three consecutive voluntary meals before I make them available. And nice. at that yeah. point, at that point, the hard work has been done. Um, but now this person has to wait four, maybe five years, you know, before mm -hmm. they breed it. And what I found is, is just a lot of people lose patience. You know, that's, they, they, they want to move on to something else. Yeah. They, you know, a lot of people are really excited about that fast and loose, uh, you know, corn snake, mm -hmm. uh, Gatula, you know, 18 months to two years for a male, very easily guaranteed right. to breed. Uh, females two years three years ah they're they're close to size let's pair them up and yeah. And, and yeah you know i've got a few species i, I have a <laughs> uh uh pitchophis vertebralis um which are a, a great uh the the cape baja gophers amazing right. and, and i'm yeah they I, are neat i think i'm on year five or six trying to breed these guys they're been of size <laughs> they you know they they just they they haven't done it yet well i'm, I'm brewmating them again this year fingers mm -hmm. crossed i've sexed them john sexed them the neighbors sexed right. them. My wife sexed them. Uh, there's, and also, also people have to understand that some animals are just not going to breed. And that's, you know, we're, we're just, that, that is done. true. That is you know. true. That happened with my Louisiana pines and, and oh, um, Ruth and I, but, yeah. but um, the uh, ver vertebralis grow slow anyway, don't they? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're mm -hmm. tiny. They're, they're, you know, they, they're, when I got mine from, uh, I, I remember thinking they look more like corn snakes than pits. So as babies, they're neonates. When I got mine, uh, and, and 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 Thomas Thomas Davis, I'm sorry, name name slipped my mind there for a little bit. Um, I was shocked at how small they were as as neos. Uh, they're they're mm -hmm. a little bigger than a corn snake. Hell, they could have been a baby corn snake. Yeah. And and I you know and I got it with a pair of my uh, I have. Uh, northern pines uh specifically the new jersey giant line which was an old uh, mm -hmm. black and white uh new jersey line and 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 they were eating small mice <laughs> and, and they were yeah. you know they've had they had three meals and, yeah. and then and then i get these vertebralis that are the same they had three four meals in them and they're maybe maybe big enough to eat a pinky and i was like huh that that's a you know there's yeah. there's a there's a difference here yeah, yeah, it's funny you talk about that size differential because I've been working with the coastals as pretty much my sole tricolor for probably going on two and a half decades now. But wow, okay. I, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or whatever, I, I decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to get a pair of these black milks. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so I got them. They were a young adult pair. I kept them here, bred them, got these big honking babies came out and I'm looking at them in their tubs and I'm like, hmm, I bet you they'll take fuzzies. <laughs> <laughs> so I was feeding them fuzzies and I was like, wow, this is really satisfying. Yeah. Then I, then I turned to the coastals and say, okay, let's tease feed you little. Uh, um, so, so you can see where, you know, 
people just kind of want to move towards the the easier. But for me, for me, and I understand that completely, but for me, the coastals, it, you know, it goes back to what I said earlier in the show. You know, there's one of the few snakes that I was looking at at my Conan field guide. You know, it's the most beautiful thing I ever saw. They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. Yeah. I believe there's a few morphs out there in them now. And, and But regardless, just the base, the, the stock model. Yeah. Uh, is is a very you know and, and again it's akin to shape and size with the the, the, the scarlet kings uh very pretty snake and and I, mm-hmm. and I and i hope you know maybe a few people will listen to this and look into them and and, and, and you know spread wings with them because i think that that species really does deserve uh a little bit more popularity because it looks I'd, like as adults i'd like, love to get some but man they, they those would be tough, be the, tough yeah the the um one thing that I really like about them, okay, is that, for, you, know, you know, milk snakes are generally rockets, you know, mm-hmm. and, and as milk snakes go, I don't think an adult temporalis, whatever we're going, going to call them, are, are really bad in that regard. You, you know, they okay. handle really well. So, and so, you, you know, you have this. Very attractive. Under most people's care, two and a half foot snake. Yeah. You know, 30 inches. Uh, um, representative of animals you might find in the wild on a very broad mid-Atlantic area. Uh, um, they can do quite well in some hobbyist 10-gallon setup. Uh, you know, and to me, that's 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 a desirable animal to produce. Absolutely. You know, we've seen in uh, in in the gecko world, uh, which I'm a, a big part of. Not big part of. I don't know why I said that. I'm, I'm a gecko guy. I've always been a gecko guy. But people are really get into the micro geckos. Micro gecko is a big thing. People want smaller, easier to care for, yeah. e- easier to maintain. The one the one animal collection. You know, you know, which is. A, a damn good important thing for this hobby the one animal collection right like that's that's what a lot of this is and that's an animal that would 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 knock that out of the park well i uh, i think i think that's the future of it yeah personally you know people being a little bit more collaborative mm-hmm. you know and, and being able to give something really optimal care in the home setting that speaks to other people that might not be as interested in this. Yeah. You know, uh, so, yeah. so, you know, like just, you, you could have your neighbor come into your room, your garage or whatever, and they're a little bit freaked out by that. But if they came <laughs> in and they saw a nice, you, you know, three foot by three foot exoteric cage with, with, you, you know, little corn snake perched on it It, you know they're all of a sudden like wow that's kind of neat it's kind of pretty are they from around here Mm -hmm. and and that starts changing people's perspectives a a little bit more so so absolutely i I place a lot of value on the people that just keep one and and that the and pour all the passion into that one animal yeah uh the 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 man this is one of those things where we're going to go back to social media and talk about some one of the good things 
people know the ingredients it takes to build a beautiful scenic mm -hmm. uh, terrarium uh, with live plants and, and proper rockscapes and using the right paints and the right mm -hmm. foams. And, I, and I've seen uh, one of our friends, uh, Michael Gillen, uh, he's up in Canada and he, he keeps a handful of species and really likes uh, West Texas animals. And he sent me some pictures of enclosures he was doing for these animals. And, and I was like, sir, this is, this is zoo quality stuff. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and you're going to put that in your living room. And it, and it makes me step back in my own collection. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, know. I, have, I have display enclosures. I do for, for, especially for my, my, my geckos, but I'm like, wow, what, what, what could I do for, you know, my black pines, right? Which, there, I don't know that those would be a they great don't, option. They probably wouldn't do well. A lot of my pitchers probably wouldn't do well. If they can see you, they're very unhappy. Uh, I, I had black pines that I kept in a six-foot by two-foot by two-foot cage. Yeah. That was just, this thing was Fort Knox. And that <laughs> those snakes, it didn't matter what I did in there. They destroyed it. They I, I, destroyed it. Mine are, mine are a specific level of asshole. Uh, I have videos and pictures of, I produced some last year, in the egg. The animals are in the egg and have just pipped. And I'm looking at them, you know, my, my, my little child fantasy looking at them. Oh, wow. And they're hissing and they're freaking out and they're yeah. still in the egg. And it's like, oh, man, yeah, y'all don't like humans. And then I'm keeping you and you probably don't like me, but I'm going to keep you healthy and I'm going to keep you happy. And every couple of years, I'll bury you up yeah. and make more. Yeah, my, um, mine, mine were pretty even tempered for, for pits. It's just mm -hmm. that I, um, they, they would just constantly dig and overturn everything in the cage. If I, it, I only have one pair of pits right now. It, it's a pair of Jani. Oh, and, yes, and sir. They're, yes, they're sir. relatively laid back and everything. Uh, um, but I would like to get some of the larger pits. Uh, um, you know, I still have my fingers in the root and eye project a little bit. And, and uh, but if I was going to do it, I'd want to set up outside cages. That would, that, would awesome. that would be ideal for a pit. Yeah. I, 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 I something I think where so. they could range and yeah. be a pine snake. Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree. Uh, a corn snake can be a corn snake in a drawer. Uh, um, <laughs> I think so. I, I'm I'm not sure a black pine can. Yeah, I, I I've done uh, display enclosures for a few of my pits, and, and it I'm in there a lot. I do a lot. You know, I'm I'm in my room a lot. I paint in my room, and. I, and it, it, it always turned out, and like you said, it kind of turned into this. It was a giant mess. They always destroyed things. They were always pissed off when I was in there. They would, they, they would, they would display their colors. Um, I'm going to be building a new room. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I, I do plan on, first off, just giving them a lot more room. I, I don't think I could keep any snakes outside here in South Texas other than like, I don't even think I can keep South Texas species here just because of how hot it gets. They need to be able to right. be extremely fossorial. Uh, there, there's months where we'll go without seeing anything other than Aatrox. Uh, Aatrox are, are, are God's gift to evolution. Uh, Aatrox, I found them at 32 degrees. I found them at 99 degrees. Uh, Aatrox will be outside no matter what The Texas squirrel, here. man. It's the Texas squirrel. I see more Aatrox <laughs> than I see squirrels uh, easily. Uh, That's funny. Uh, 
I, we have signs all over every neighborhood. My, I live next to a wildlife preservation. It's walking distance. There's signs everywhere. It says, you know, rattlesnakes live here. You got to deal with it. Uh, right. we, I, you'll be driving down. I swear you'll be driving down the highway and you'll be like, oh, God, uh, yep, rattlesnake. It's, it's, it is what it is. Uh, but, yeah. Tony, I do want to go back to on a statement you just said, um, because this podcast is now actually about uh, my favorite species, which is Jani. Uh <laughs> I am a huge Jani fan. I have many. I, I've been producing them for years. Uh, what a what a good species, right? Yeah. What a what a good animal. I just yeah love hearing another human being say that. Uh, I, I'm working on a striped line. Uh, I, I produced some aberrant animals over the last couple of years that kind of just popped up. Uh, right. a, f- a few people have uh, actually spent a lot of time producing striped animals, and and now I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my shot. I don't know where they came from. They just popped up in my collection. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I, I just I just like that uh, you know that nice burnt yellow on the forefront of the body and the dark yeah. blotches and then it kind of fades to that orange suffusion yeah. and, and uh, you know it's just uh, um it, you know of all the pits that I've kept they seem to be the least fissorial yeah I I don't know if that's true in your experience but i kept mine uh, um in four foot near the chaise mm-hmm. and, and they spent the vast major- majority of the time coiled mm-hmm. either either in the cage or or in the hide they're, or, they're, they're or a under the bat or sure, under yeah. the basking light when they were digesting the meal and, and um you know but they they weren't like my blacks that were constantly trying to get under and excavate mm-hmm. and 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 in defense of keeping them i think i think if i had had a, a construction a constructed sub area where they felt like they could you know get under and go into a whole box down there and have one dry and warm one cool and moist and applicator closure yeah yeah you, you know if if i would have provided that they wouldn't have felt the need to tear up the cage mm-hmm. looking for what. Yeah. In effect, I hadn't provided what they needed. That was Even an issue they... I had with Bairds. It was like, if I kept them on paper towel or something, they'd almost always flip their water bowl and just flood mm-hmm. everything. But as soon as I put substrate or something in there, like, you know, Aspen or whatever, like it stops. I don't yeah. have that problem anymore. Yeah. I don't have, of course I, I don't keep my Bairds really any differently than my corn snakes anymore i used to keep them in arboreal cages but um i I really don't think they use them as much as i Mm -hmm. think they do um the the only real different thing i do with the bears is i give them a bigger bowl Mm -hmm. you know so the standard bowl might be i don't know if it's six or seven inches or whatever but with the bears i use that 11 inch bowl and, and um you know because despite being a west texas animal i think they spend a lot of time down in those limestone caverns mm-hmm. and everything where exactly. the relative where the relative humidity is <clears throat> is not represented by what's on the surface it, it, exactly a picture one recently and one chowing down on a bat yeah Couple yeah. couple months ago, often yeah. found in cave systems. Yeah, I, I keep mine actually uh, identical to how I keep my uh, Everglades rats, which some okay. people might stop and go, oh, but at Everglades rats in this huge humid uh, 
situation. Now, yeah. c- come to Texas. <laughs> we don't we don't we don't do one weather, right? Like it's, right. it's such a weird environment here, and especially where that kind of falls. Corpus is very close to the uh, 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 the, the I believe longitudinal line is the correct uh, w- correct line, the, the the horizontal line, where you'll find a lot of bear die, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's there's it's not it, it is a very humid environment where they're at. Is it dry on the surface? Yes, of course. But have you? I go out and I hunt these things. You don't find them <laughs> when it's dry. They yeah. come out when it rains. They, they I, come I have a um, I have a Baird's album on on the Facebook page, and um, pretty much anybody that sends me a picture of a locality Baird's, just send it to me if you want me to. I'd, I'll plug it in there. Plug who took the picture and the locality information and everything it's just just I, I think it's neat that for so simple a theme you can see so much variety and oh absolutely but i believe there is a picture in there of somebody who was doing some spelunking mm-hmm. and they were like a hundred feet down or whatever and they came across the bears crawling up on the wall hey, you you and justin will have to link up after this uh justin has a, a huge collection of pictures of bear die that he's mm-hmm. been collecting and, and, and identifying localities and such. Um, what what a it, it, the, the species mirrors Alterna in its variability. Uh, there's there's mm-hmm. a ton of, uh, of 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 variation in that species. Um, oh, it's yeah. awesome! I I, I, I I think that I think the Jeff Davis animals are different. Yeah, they they, they are definitely they they seem a little bit more diminutive. Yeah, uh, the head shape is just conceptually a little bit different to me. They're darker. I, I well, certainly the coloration is different. I think they they tend towards more yellow suffusion instead of salmon. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, just a very very different looking snake, and and, and not it, you know I think the Okatee of Bairds is probably the Edwards Plateau variety that you know Tim Gebhardt. Yeah. has popularized the metallic but, rat yeah 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 the metallic rat but but man those western those western forms are, are just as nice oh yeah and, and, and again also there you go that's i believe that's one of tim's pictures what a what a snake right what a beast what a, what huh a, what an yeah. animal uh, you know i i'll 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 mirror that in saying that i i'm in love with the uh the the southern the mexican speed the the mexican variety uh your nueve leon animals uh that are uh that looks like a troy hibbett's picture yeah it is <laughs> at terrell county yeah uh your 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 high yellow uh with that muted head down in mexico a uh, totally a totally different looking animal got a little bit a uh, little bit more size to them this this is an interesting one um, oh it's pretty that that that's a tim gebhard animal mm-hmm. and there was I don't know if the information is on there or not. It, yeah, where is it? It's a little small Utopia, for me. To, Texas, yeah. Where, where, where in that mountain? And evidently, that area is very difficult to collect in. The you know the the road's not a good one to do it on, and and the property isn't accessible. But that's where that animal came from, and and hmm. that that just blows me away. That yeah, that is a crazy crazy looking animal. Yeah, that's quite a specimen. I'm actually looking right now to see where that Utopia, Texas is. Yeah. 
I, I've talked to Tim at length on that one. And Ooh, really that's, don't. that's so that's going to be that animal is going to be closer to San Antonio, uh, in, in between like Concan and, 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 and Castorville, uh, in that utopia area. So that's going to be an animal that's going to have a little bit of, uh, Lynn Hemeri in it. Uh, some might think, you know, if we start, you know, I'd, I showed that picture to somebody and they, and they said this, the same thing. Uh, um, I, I don't know if it's the case or not, but you, sure. you know, yeah. to a certain degree, if you want to talk about purity, about the only thing that can be pure is locality. Mm -hmm. If it's naturally occurring, exactly, yeah, that's pure. You know, yeah. that's awesome. And yeah, and, and you know, I, I'd implore anybody listening to this and, and to go and, and look through your Facebook. You've you've documented so much. Uh, information look at this look at this hypo wow yeah craig craig Tr trumbauer produced that one uh, he bred the um the normal hypo into some davis mountain stock mm -hmm. and then just over just a couple generations instead of pulling out the red pulled out the yellow yeah and that's what he's got so, so you cool. take your, your your darker Davis Mountains animal and then start putting it into the hypo. You 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 lose a lot of that right. saturation. And wow, <clears throat> that's a <laughs> that's an animal, man. That's awesome. That's yeah. killer. Yeah, uh, I think uh, so. You guys had some some hets at Daytona, and I got a female. Um, I don't know if that's from this stock particular, but you mentioned like the new strain. I didn't, I didn't have any hats down there. I I just had visuals down there. So if you if you got a hat, you got it from Craig. Okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure because yep. the only birds I have about it. the only birds I have right now that are breeding age is is my pair of uh, hypos. And you uh, you've dipped a little bit into the Anary project. Yes. We, uh, me and Justin got some animals from, uh, Tim, Tim. Uh, you? Okay. Yeah. So we've got some heads. So, uh, so there's it, it, my, my understanding of this is, is that, um, there's only four people that have are in on that project right now because, uh, both of us got, uh, 3.5 animals. I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I have two point no three point four, so so um, right now I'm still holding on to two point three, and I sold a pair, and Tim did the same thing. So there should be only four people that have have them at this point. But uh, I, I mine are in the care of Craig Trumbauer right now. So so because not, not a bad person kind, to have. No have no. Get him to wave his magic wand and just get him to grow, and, and everything. It's, that's not true. He he works very very hard on his collection. Yeah, we, but we, but, we um, were able to get a pair from uh, Tim Smuggler and, and and are excited to see where yeah, that goes. Yeah, uh, and it, it's you know what a another another thing another avenue to go down in this yeah. this 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 month. This, 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 it, it's going to be interesting to see what that ghost. Yeah. I don't even know what people are going to call them yet. They, no. You know, they're either going to call them ghosts or T plus snows or, or, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I guess the uh, first person to do it gets the name. Of, I, I don't know if that's going to be as spectacular of an animal as just looking at the 
Aenaries, which are gorgeous with their black eyes and their 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 mm-hmm. their, their steel gray colors, and then the natural form of the animal, which is just blatantly gorgeous and is overlooked all too often, and then the uh, T positive or hypo or however you know yeah. wh- whichever avenue you want to say say it, a gorgeous gorgeous animal. I I I, I don't I, I don't know if we're gonna wash too much out of it or or God I mean who knows you know what, what's it gonna end up as. It, it 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 could be very indistinct. It could be fabulous. I mean, it, you, it, you, it, you you just don't know. It, we, you know. We we say anary, and we say that 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 means you know they're still yellow, right? Yeah. So we're we're deleting the red, right? Or is it? Or 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 are we going to find out that it's more of a actual exanthic, right? And and, and uh, then again, we're putting these terms on things that we we haven't fully discovered exactly what it does because we're looking yeah. at so many dip, uh, a pantheon of uh, colorations in the animals. So, and and, be- and look, you you don't know what's going to come out of this. It, no. You know the the first the first breeding of the hats for albino bull snakes produced hypos and white sided mm-hmm. and everything. <laughs> So, so we, we really don't know what's going to come out of this. Sure. I'm just, man, I'm just happy to be here. It's a cool project, you know, and, and um, when Tim posted a picture of it, you know, I contacted him and, and, and offered my, my female uh, hypo to go out there. And he was gracious enough, you know, to give me a good split on that. And, and um you know, it's it's enough animals for Craig and I to both work on it. And, and um, it, you know, right now, it, you know, strategically, they went to Craig because he's going to grow them quicker than anybody else. <laughs> and also, I was moving last year, so I didn't want to lose time, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, so so they're with him. And, and I actually drove down and visited him a couple of weeks ago and saw him. And I was really surprised at the, the diversity in those five well he has four animals down there Mm -hmm. i've got one male here but he's got the three females and a male down there and not a one of them looked alike wow they all look different Hmm. pretty cool i have noticed like yeah like i have the one het female that i produced this year or last year and she looks wildly different from that that het that i got from craig and then the Loma Alta stuff that I produced last year, you know, looks interesting. And I remember when I got my my pair of Mexican stuff from um, Ron. I remember he had him at his table, and uh, Craig walked by and he looked at him. He's like, "Those are Mexicans, aren't they?" And he was like, "Yeah." And I was like. I mean, like, I guess if you look at them side by side, you can see a bit of a difference because the the neonate patterning on the on the Mexicans definitely seems to be busier. Yeah, um, definitely. Seems definitely. to be a lot more going on. But it was just funny to see Craig just walk by, look at me like, "Those are Mexicans, huh?" And Ron goes, "Yeah." It was Ron Allen. Yeah. And I just kind of laughed because yeah. I was just standing there watching it. And just, how does he do that? <laughs> you know, my my Mexicans are eating small mice now. They're they're decent size. They're big enough, right? Like they're big mm-hmm. enough to eat small mice, and they're, they're they're you know twenty inches, twenty four inches. What an ugly snake! <laughs> and it's so funny that ontogenic change. They have this point where you're just like, man, you're just like kind of brown and dingy and 
and, and, and funky. And when you were a tiny little baby eating pinkies, you were so cool and you had this contrast. And I know what you're going to look like as an adult because you're trying to do it now. Uh, but that's, you know, that's one of the reasons I love Jani is that ontogenic change, right? Like right. You, you, baby Jani are not excited. Uh, you, 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 you can, I appreciate them. I love them. I love the pattern, but my adult Jan, I, when I, when, when people come over, when people come to my collection, one of the first animals that goes in their hands, if it's not a leechy on us, if you're, if you're a gecko person, you're over here, you're putting a leechy on us in your hand and it's, it's going to blow your mind. Uh, the weight, the size, the, 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 the impact mm-hmm. of that animal. But the first snake I put in your hand is a Jan, right? Like I, it's what an animal. And then you look at a baby and you're like, nah, nah, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, 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 Tony, I, I know we, we, we've gone long-winded and, and, and this has been no, a great okay. conversation. I but I do, I do want to ask you uh, about one more uh, group of animals you're working with, and that's the lightning rats uh, in the obsoleta complex, the, the, the lightning rats. The lightning rats. Am you I must be that? talking about the lemon rats. Lemon rats. Oh my goodness! I'm so sorry. I wrote that down wrong. So, somebody commented on, you know, you know, because I updated that album like mm-hmm. a couple days ago, and somebody made a comment about a lightning rat, which I think is a a, a western or a Texas rat, more possibly. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. My, yeah. Excuse my. Uh, ignorance she did. She described it as as acting almost like the. Uh, the rusty rat, which is oh, okay, the het state of a leucistic yeah. eastern rat snake. Yeah. Well, excuse me. Yes, yeah. but the lemon rats. This is something you've been you've been involved with for a while. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I, I got these from Wilbur. I was looking at them on his site for years, salivating. Every awesome. year, I every year I sent him an email, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll put you on the list." and then I would wait and I wouldn't hear and I'd call up and they'd say, oh, they're gone. And and I don't know what in the world he was doing with them because you just didn't see them offered by anybody else. And, no. and then I then I just kind of got I, I got belligerent. You know, you know, I was like, OK, well, and I, I called the man. Every week. Yeah. Year. Come. Hey, man, how, how's it going? You got eggs yet? OK, good. She's she's. I call back next week. Has she shed? Has she shed? You got you got some sphagnum in that box, right? You know, we don't want <laughs> to lose these eggs. And and man, by by midsummer, he's like, Tony, I'm gonna send you a trio. So awesome. so he sent me a visual male and two het females. And I ended up keeping uh um keeping just uh just a pair. Okay. And, and the pair that what wow. you're scrolling through now are are the original animals that that I got. So so um, now I have since moved those to a friend of mine, Crystal Poifair, has a zoo up in New York. Okay, um, those animals went to her because they were just really getting too big for yeah uh, you know the cages that i had for them so they're big animals they're, oh they're, yes they could probably yes. push five six foot right yes and, and um not not only you know it's not so much the length but the girth yeah of them is is to to my eye it's it's significantly different than the eastern rat snakes yeah uh, um yeah you know 
Will Bird and Phil Peak are, you know, they're the experts of the snakes out in that West West Kentucky area. And, oh, yeah. and they believe that these animals are are integrates between the eastern and a gray. Okay. Because they you know they see primarily black rats, you know, on yeah. one side of the range and and trending more towards grays on the other. So so that's their experience. Uh, um, but for me, breeding them, they're significantly different than Easterns. Okay. You, you know, the times that I've bred Easterns, I get these small, smaller, high count, smaller ovoid eggs. A and uh, these guys give me much longer, almost cylindrical, you, you know, in, in length. And it's, it's a smaller number, you, you know, it's like, I think the biggest clutch I've had from her was last year. I think her first clutch was 16 Wow. and the second clutch was 14. Okay. Very, very prolific. And she was like clockwork every year. Perfect eggs. And did she double year. clutch on her own? On her own. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yep. That's a lot of babies. And, and, and would really put the weight right back on you know a couple small rats and she was she was right back ready to roll uh, um great great animal i i hated getting rid of them but i i uh they went to a good place and it opened up room for some younger animals to come in the collection as happens every 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 individual's collection is constantly evolving and yeah you know i like this year i made a big cut on a lot of things uh, mm -hmm. Justin's done the same and, and, and people need to be understanding of that. You know, there's this yeah. weird, uh, mentality we all have. I can't believe you got rid of that. No, I, I, I yeah. absolutely can't. Well, well, to, to be honest with you, I, um, I had intended to just completely free up cage space from lemons. I've been doing them for about a, you know, a decade. Yeah. And, and after a period of time, you know, you, you just want to try something else. Mm hmm um, yeah. but a friend of mine who is, who is a, uh, biology teacher, I, I had given him one years ago to keep in his class and it was getting a little bit too big for, you know, to fit that bill. And, uh, so it came back to me and, and uh, when he put that female in my hands, I was like, holy, that's the one that the picture that you, that you showed of that younger female. Mm -hmm. So I I went ahead and and held back a male to put with her. So <laughs> so does that act as a, a simple recessive gene, or is there is there something else going on? <clears throat> wow, that's really the question, and I don't know the answer. Okay, uh, um, it it appears to me to act as a single gene, but there's a tremendous amount of variability in there. Okay. Now, what, what I can tell you is, is that Will had uh, uh, the original project started from two morphs from, from the same county. Okay. One was an albino, and one was this thing. I think he called it the Dixie Pumpkin or something like that. And, and um, he bred those together, and the double-hat babies that he got were very, very atypical of 
the standard run-of-the-mill neonate that he would find in that area. So uh, um, eventually, out of that breeding came the lemon rat, you know, and he, he called him after the local moniker of the lemon cow sucker. And, and uh, you know, really, really neat looking animal, but somewhat different than the original Dixie pumpkin, mm -hmm. okay. but still not an alpino. Okay. Yeah. So, so when he sold them to me, his thought process was that the lemons were actually a homozygous Dixie pumpkin and het albino. Okay. That's what he thought. Okay. Hmm. And the animals that he sent to me, he was like, well, your male is def a definite lemon. He was very clean, didn't have a lot of markings on him. He's, he's actually, when I got him, he was like bone white. He, he looked like leucistic. Yeah, wow. And, and um, the female, he said, was typical of a double hat. But after years and years and years, I never saw any albinos come out of that. And, and hmm. you know, I was, I was producing probably 25 lemon rats a year for 10 years. Uh, wow. Um, that's if, if, if there was an albino gene in there uh, um, on both of those animals, as he saw it, I think we would have produced it. Yeah. Uh, um, but it could just be that my female was very, very nice looking and wasn't pet. Yeah. You know, so um, we'll, we'll see what happens with this next generation. If, if I pop up some albinos, you know, you know, maybe, maybe so. I don't know. Yeah. But the next generation will be visual to visual. So okay, yeah, and and, and that'll be awesome if something yeah. else does pop out in them. That's a that's a that's a cool looking animal, and and, and, and again, obsolete is a great species to keep. Yeah, uh, and and they they are they're they're impressive. The female hat had an attitude. Yeah, her and I had an understanding. Uh, um, <laughs> I know how that goes. Yeah, I would show her respect, and she would make sure that the encounter was memorable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, um, that said, she only ever bit me once. Uh, um, there you go. The the male was puppy dog tame. He was he was he was a big, goofy, stupid, dozing animal. You know, I just <laughs> drape him around anybody's neck yeah. if they were willing, I, I, and, I think and he would do it. Obsoleta, I consider those within the obsoleta complex. Uh, mm -hmm. Get a bad rap for defensiveness, uh, nippy, and you know my 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 Everglades. I I, I open up their tub. I, I cohab mine year round. Actually, I always okay. have since they were neos uh, from Chris Montross. Actually, okay. and I open up that tub, and those animals just kind of come out, and they'll sit in my hand. I, I have videos of them just coming out, and just sitting in my hands. This, just kind of checking things out. They're very inquisitive, very almost one click above the 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 getula com the complex. You know the the the, the corn snakes and and, and embryi and it seems like obsolete are just a little bit more, maybe a little bit more going on upstairs. I don't know. Uh, maybe not to anthropomorphize them, but well, you you know certainly their their environment is more three dimensional. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, absolutely. They're they're less fossorial, and yeah, you know, they're. I I wouldn't call them a boreal, but they're not 
not a board. Yeah, right? they're not they're, not a board. Know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and to me, you, you know, you talk about and mentioned earlier why corn snakes, why rat snakes. Uh, um, you know, the thing when, when I handle a snake, I try to become the environment. You know, you're the ground that it's on. You're the tree. Yeah. You're the yeah. branch. You move with it, and um, that's a neat experience with a rat snake. You know, they throw those coils over your arm and kind of hold on as they move. Mm -hmm. and they're 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 very, for lack of a better word, sure-footed in, yeah. in your hand. If if you if you handle them right, you really see some interesting behaviors. Uh, um, they're, they're neat, neat animals. And, and I, I think the Eastern complex and the grays would probably be more popular, uh, um, if they were just a little smaller. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're uh, you know, bigger, I think, yeah. I think the size is, is a, a detriment to a lot of people because, you know, they grow up to be a five and a half, six foot active animal and they they require a little bit more space than mm -hmm. the average person is thinking about when they pick the neonate up in a, in a deli cup you know which or, which is tiny <laughs> or or pick it up off the road you, you know one night when they're when they're out cruising yeah uh, um so anyway no i pretty I, monster yellow rats here yeah. Yellows get big. Blacks get huge. Black but it's interesting did, too because those bigger did yellow. One of, rats did one of you guys get yellow. the yellows from me in Daytona? Uh, that was uh, uh, Jacob Bratz, the uh, one of the other okay. uh, hosts on the the Herpeticulture Network. Okay. Yeah, I'd be interested to know how they're doing. Those, those were Some pretty two, snakes, man. Two of them were holdbacks. Yeah. yeah. You know, I I got my original breeders from Craig. And they were an unrelated pair from from captive hatched from wild caught females. So there was two clutches of wild caught females, and he picked out the best of each clutch, and I got those. And those are incidentally also with with Crystal up in New York. Okay. And and, and <laughs> um, but I kept two of those that he got as as my holdbacks so they were like f technically i guess f2 holdbacks and they were really nice and then the third animal was just one that initially didn't eat and everything mm. so, so but the, that one pair they were killer was, man was stellar and i'm awesome. really interested to see how they turn out no jake we'll to get him to get some pictures of them yeah, yeah. They are, when when he picked those up, he showed me, and, and I guess I was coming up to your table. He was like, "Man, sixty I was like, "No way! Those are neon almost, and they, they were young. Yeah. They were young animals. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah, I so. think uh, those were. They were either. I think those were twenty ones. They were either twenty ones or late twenty, mm -hmm. late twenties, like a yeah, second clutch twenty. <clears throat> That would fit the bill on size. Well, Tony, uh, a couple questions left. Where would you see derailing back to corn snakes? Where would you see this hobby going over the next ten years? Where do you where do you think corn snakes are going?
Wow. Uh, um, I think we're going to see a little bit of moderation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, um, the, the, there's a little, yeah, I hate to say this, irrational enthusiasm for them right now with uh, breeders driving up really, really high prices and everything. And, of course, you know, and I'm kind of jumped to a price where I'm shocked. Guilty. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, um, but, but the, the reality is I, I have a good friend that run, runs a really premium reptile store in Virginia beach. And I was talking to him about it and he's, he's like, you know, where we are with the prices on these things right now is that even if he has to buy a well-bred corn snake and he's paying wholesale $50, then he's got to sell it for 99 in his store. And then that corn snake is competing with lower level ball pythons yeah. at, at, at that point. And, and um, you know, not, not to take anything away from ball pythons, but it, you corn know, we live, we live here. Corn snakes are from here. Yeah. They, they are not just a pet. They're also an ambassador to wild populations. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know, they're, they are, they need to be accessible to people, you know, to younger generations that, that want these things and, and learn an appreciation of what lives under the rocks and logs in their, in the woods across the street in the park, you know, across town. Uh, um, because if we, if we stop cultivating that interest, uh, um, we're, we're kind of screwed. And, and the other aspect of this, and I almost he hesitate to get into this too, but, but, um, you know, the hobby is a little bit diverging right now where, you know, there's us deli herpers and then there's the real field herpers yeah. and, and everything. And, and, uh, you know, I like to think that I'm both and, and, you know, I'm not compromising myself in, in that regard. Uh, uh, but you know, there's, I kind of have this question. Do we really want to increase participation of people going to our state parks and national parks and going off trail and peeling bark and lifting rocks and, you know, you know, to find these animals in the wild, you know, mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, that's, that's a good thing that people have the interest, but at a certain point you start to wonder how, how much are you disturbing what's going on out there? You know? And of course I, I, I have the benefit of hindsight. I'm 63 years old. I used to tear it up, you know, it just, you know, trying to find stuff and see it. And, and uh, now I'm just happy to go out and habitat. And if something mm -hmm. reveals itself all the more special, you know, but, but, um, you know, I think, I think people still need to model with these animals. They need to see them. They need to interact with, without that, we're, we're going to lose interest. And, and 
you know, there won't be the next generation of herpetologists. Sure. Now, you know, notwithstanding herpetoculturists, I right. mean, academics who are actual studying academics, these, yeah. Yeah. people that go into law enforcement and park management and conservation industries, you know, a, a lot of times, it, it, you know, these people got into those fields because there was something that was the entry point. It was mm -hmm. the birds on their mom's feeders or the next door neighbor had snakes or they saw a lizard on the wood pile out back, it, you know, something attracted their attention and um i i would like to see corn snakes always at the forefront of that because they're just they're ideally suited ambassadors for their wild cousins yeah absolutely totally totally agree that's a perfect answer yeah <laughs> Well, 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 Tony, as we usually part with our guests, we, we kind of ask a final question. Uh, there, there's two specific morphs, and, and I don't know how uh, involved you've been with either one. Uh, what what are your kind of, uh, if so factos, maybe maybe brief or, or, or long-winded, on either uh, the scaleless corn snakes or the palmetto corn snakes uh, being a little more uh, in the forefront of uh, morphology? Entirely too much in the forefront, if you ask me. <laughs> I think I think we all we, we <clears throat> may have our preconceived uh, ideologies, but what you know, what do, what do you think about the palmetto, and, and specifically, what do you think about the scaleless animals? Um, the scaleless don't blow my dress up. Okay, yeah. I, I I I see some of them, and the colors are really popping, and the pattern is really neat, and everything, and I'm like, wow, that's that's where really, it's stopped. The, the anaries, yeah. the anary scalus are some of the coolest. Yeah, looking. yeah, you yeah, know, you know, it's it's yeah. it's really neat. It's just not my thing. Yeah. It, you know, so so that's not to say anything about anybody that doesn't have a full blown collection of scalus. Yeah, I, um, palmettos, I have them. Okay, okay, so. I've got a um, I've got a pair of het albinos, or albinos that are het for palmetto. That in its own right, I think that combination is pretty sharp looking. Yeah, you know because uh, you get that kind of almost frosted look. Yeah, you know almost the beginnings of white sidedness. Yeah, uh, almost. <clears throat> I, um, really, really sharp looking animals and I like them a lot. And, uh, they, they are also an unrelated pair. Um, and then I have a female who is, uh, she doesn't have any of the bug eye issues yet or anything, but she'll be out crossed to, to my pet male. So, uh, um, People, people like them a lot. Yeah. You know, um, I like them. I, I don't think there's really much more you can do with them as a visual palmetto. You know, yeah. to my, to my mind, a, a non albino palmetto with the darker eyes is probably going to look better than the albino palmettos that I produce. Right? Okay. 
I, um, but I, I, I think the real potential with it might be the little tweak it throws with being het for Palmetto. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the het Palmetto. And I like that. I, I yeah. like the little anything you can do to just tweak an old thing. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, you can put a softness. It, it almost puts like a saran wrap filter over the entire snake. It it it, it really does. And, and I've tried to take pictures of these snakes to capture it, and 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 I just can't. But uh, um, yeah, you, you know, when I hold it and I look at it, it it almost looks frosted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a cool, it's yeah, cool hat. Yeah. It's 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 yeah. neat to see a you know one, once again we we've run into <clears> another uh, seemingly leucistic animal that has a visual hat that mm-hmm. kind of does a neat thing. And I I think you're right. Maybe somewhere in that visual sense, uh, there, there's a lot to be done with it. That's mm-hmm. cool. Awesome. I have one last one, and that is, what is the most underrated morph currently? Oh man, you're asking me. <laughs> Wrong guy, because I gotta say, red zeps. Oh, <laughs> red zeps are killer, man. And we we um, didn't go into to, to too much depth on red zeps, and 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 I I I I think that might be okay. But yeah, I I'm I'm probably with you there. Yeah, I I, I mean, I honestly, I, um, you, you know, I said that kind of tongue in cheek. It's a selfless plug. Uh, um, it. Wild type. Yeah. Wild type is the most underrated corn snake morph. I I, uh, I I have a pair of those uh North Carolina, Cleveland County, South Mountain right. corns that you were yeah, talking I love about those. earlier. They're sweet, I, aren't they? Yeah, yeah my, they minor minor breeding size right now, and they're tiny. That's that's one thing people don't talk about with those. They're small, there's a size differentiation in them, and I pull those snakes out couple times a week and am blown away by the way they look they are yeah. ain't nothing like them yeah. it's cool it's cool and and you know and as i because i had a pair of them uh, um they ate well as babies so they were they were no problem it's not as if they were these small miamis that you know yeah you, got, so, you gotta have access yeah. to a knolls or something like that uh, uh they were easy to raise but you know, if you're talking about a corn snake that's going to max out at 36 inches, yep. Again, you you know you're looking at that one terrarium in somebody's apartment mm-hmm. at smaller size mm-hmm. is certainly an advantage. Certainly an advantage. Yeah. And, and we don't we don't talk enough in this hobby that there are different localities and different morphs that have size differentiation. That make it more palatable for a person to to be keeping or handling, or somebody that maybe wants to get into snakes and maybe a little more nervous about it. And, it, and, and that's a a locality that that does that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's just um, you know I kind of like to think of things as these animals and the morphs and the localities and everything are like colors on an artist's palette. Mm-hmm. you know and and you can keep a collection around one spectrum of color or you know you can use it all uh, um 
but there's a lot there for for everybody and it, you know some sometimes i think the the pursuit of more gets in the way of an appreciation of you know just a pretty wild yeah. type corn yeah. snake and there is a lot of diversity on that. Let's go to those Cleveland County, North Carolina mountain corns down to rosy rats and, and the keys. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, you know, you have the, the ones from Delaware can almost be purple. Yeah. Um, you very rarely see them if ever in the hobby anymore. I think Delaware is protecting them now. Uh, um, Maryland animals are pretty neat. Uh, um, they're they're just different across across the board. We tend to just think of Okatees because that's the most popular. Sure. But but there's a lot of different manifestations out there. I, yeah, could could be better said. No. Well, Justin, any closing thoughts? No, I don't think so. I Tony. I I want to see updated pictures of those ultramels. <laughs> yeah, I I I I just I I'll see a Daytona next year. I I, I don't know what it is that they just it, you know I look at them. I can see they got this nice white ground color, you know, you know, like like a bone white ground color and and you know they've got the nice okati like borders around the blotches and good almost albino colored red yeah as that, but when that I, sharp red yeah yeah but when i take a picture all i see is a white and black animal and i cannot <laughs> see, I love, those things are killer i cannot adjust it out you know i mean i can bring the red out but then the ground color is pink you, yeah. you know, so and they're not pink. Yeah, they're they're no. They're and and here's here's another thing. I don't know if you recall this or not, but they were small. Yeah, yeah, they were small. Yeah, and, and the and the female that produced those is a fairly good sized corn snake, and she throws huge eggs. Hmm. Huh. And and the smallest blast of babies. I mean, they always do well. And everything, but it, th that particular snake perplexes me because it's big eggs, small babies. I don't, hmm. I don't get it. I don't, I'd love it's, high white stuff, especially like with yeah. corns, you know, barring palmettos and and stuff like your high white okatees mm -hmm. and things. I love high white stuff. Yeah. So, so that was that was my uh, uh, recipe mix for my orange corns was. Mm -hmm. The high white reverse okatees, the buckskin, and the buff. And between that, you know, I was hoping to get the big size of the okatee and the pattern, uh, you know, and the super high contrast using, uh, you know, the the high white plus the buckskin, mm -hmm. bringing yeah. that in there, and then to see what buff actually did. Yeah, you know, which which what I think it is is I think it's like a it it upregulates yellow. Yeah. Is what, mm -hmm. is what I think it does. A it, lot of people it almost, think it down regulates red, but but I, I don't think that's what happened. I think the red stays the same, but yellow is upregulated and that mutes the existing red. It's almost it's, like 
how Red Factor works on the Erythrin, the yeah. buff may work on the Tyrannies and, and, yeah. and generate that uh, in, enhanced yellow. Yeah, I, I've Does, got a, doesn't mute the red. It just enhances the yellow to the point to where it's over overbearing on it. I've I've got a couple red factor orange corns, and, and they are just, for lack of better term, just hyper pigment pigmented. Hmm. They got lots of red, lots of yellow, and hmm. wow. lots of really weird contrast to them. So, hmm. And and they don't photograph either. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. It's it's so hard to take pictures of these damn animals. I I totally agree. Yeah, well, it starts with getting them to keep still. You know. Uh, yeah. Also, the first problem we all had to solve that none of us are good at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah buff is one that I hope. I, I think it's fairly overlooked. I think yeah. it doesn't get a whole lot of a attention, yeah, I, or it did briefly, and it kind of came and went, and I don't know. It just seems like such an interesting gene to plug into things just to see what it does, you know. And yeah, it's it's um, it adds a soft tweak mm -hmm. to other things. Buff motleys are fabulous. Yeah. Okay. Every buff motley I've produced is fabulous, and and I bred. I had a really nice buff motley. And I bred him to a pure Sherman line Okatee, uh, you know, just kind of to see what would come out of it. Every one of those was just a fabulous looking snake. Everyone, everyone that was, was above what mm -hmm. was, was just a really, really unique animal. And, and, uh, awesome. so, but, but again, and I think I said this earlier, Motley seems to track with, with, good manifestation of buff because hmm. every buff i want to keep carries that gene carries the motley yep every. oh well, that's awesome yeah they're all awesome all of, <laughs> they're all, all of them are awesome yeah indeed well, but you can't keep them all that's yeah, something that problem. i just don't agree with tony <laughs> I, I i think my last year i held back 36 animals or something and then have slowly petered away and 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 I yeah, like I, I got like twenty five of those. <laughs> no, I, I sent I sent Justin. See when I say or... when I say fifty four animals, I don't count the various stages of holdbacks. Oh no, you, you can't you can't hold you can't <laughs> count holdbacks because you just don't know if you're they don't count. Them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think I think I said Justin twenty two animals, and now my holdback number is somewhere. They don't the count 14, until they're two now. years old, and I name it. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's. The once they're on the here. roster, then it's the second know, my kid special. puts a name on that animal, it's yeah. there. Right? Once you put a name on it, then you're set. Well, Tony, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, this has been an exceptional episode. Th thanks for calling me out, guys. I, I really appreciate it. And Absolutely. Kind of honored. Oh, we're, what? <laughs> we're honored to have you on here, sir. <clears throat> uh, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, we'll visit with you here at Daytona this year. Uh, I, I assume you'll be there. Look forward and, to seeing you. Maybe we can make we'll this a yearly, uh, a yearly thing. I'd love to please, visit with you and please kind of have your yeah. And, and I'll have those yearling ultra mills there. Awesome. <laughs> this well, episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com, Facebook, Instagram. Check them out. Use the code THN at checkout. Get 10% off your order. And then go to silenthillreptiles.com, Mindy and JT. Check them out. Also on Facebook and Instagram. We will be back. Uh, actually, I think Jake and I are talking about doing a THP episode tomorrow, but we have no plan, so I don't know what's going to happen there. And then Snakes and Stogies on Monday. 
and uh, thank you. Thank you guys for joining us. Bye.